Um, so yeah, okra and okra. Yeah, I got Martin, but shit, you got okra. I love it. I've been calling her that since the 80s or something, I think. <laughs> 80s or 90s. I do not know why. It's so funny. Okra. listening to another episode of music and we i am jamila and i am jesse also known as jester we really don't want to do this because this is a really tired subject but we are going to have this other episode be in relation to these dubious claims from james safechuck and wade robson because now okra i call her okra okra Okra. included (laughs) in the mix Yes, yes, yes. Okra Winfrey herself. I have no idea when I started calling her Okra, but I think <laughs> it was the late 80s because she started, what, 86, 87? So pretty soon after that, I think I started calling her Okra because my mother watched her every day after the soap. And it was that theme song. And then I remember very clearly when she carried that wheelbarrow of. Uh, the radio flyer of fat. And she said, I lost weight, everybody. I mean, that's when I said, okay, this, this, no. I think that was my first case of Oprah being exploited. That episode, she carried the wheelbarrow. Or I the, don't remember that. Wow. That. And I said, what was it? Uh, a wheelbarrow of what? It was, it was a, not a wheelbarrow, but the radio flyer of, okay. of fat. It was just fat. Like, oh. How much weight she lost or fat she lost, she carried this in the radio flyer. And I said, what? So that was the first, to me, visual piece of evidence that she is an exploitative person, even if she's going to exploit herself. Uh, just so many episodes she did. I, again, my mother watched the show. The soaps came on. Then it was Oprah Winfrey or Okra at four o'clock. Then you had the five o'clock news every day, Monday to Friday. <laughs> that was the schedule. That was the program. She was another one of the millions of followers Oprah has had throughout her career. I mean, she really blew up and maintained, yeah. you know, a presence in people's homes. But since day one, I never really bumped with Oprah. I remember her around as a kid because my mom would watch her as well as my grandmother and I just saw how she would always give away stuff. You know, this whole, you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car. Oh, you, so no, 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 no. My mother was not watching her then. And she she stopped watching her at that point. She was like, I don't like that lady. <laughs> I was just watching her because it was on. I'm like, okay. Right. But, um, yeah, I remember people used to totally make jokes about that. And there was a meme that was going around. Exactly. I the, know exactly. With the bees, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> a friend of mine loves that when he always likes to send that to me once in a while. 
<laughs> bees, yeah, no, no bees. And then it's like um, what's the, the Wicker Man, the remake of it with Nicolas Cage, and he's like the bees, not the bees. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how insidious people take this lady to be. But she's graduated to some sort of supreme leader in America's mind, I think. I mean, she really has won over the American people. Like, Oprah is probably one of the only figureheads, and it's because she's a gatekeeper, where very few criticism is given to her. Very few people have said anything publicly against Oprah. Not that they need to say anything against her, but just to say that Oprah has not had anything to do with the recent framing of a lot of um, what's going on with the Me Too movement. Her friend, Harvey Weinstein, I'm going to just go there. You know, it's like there's a lot about her that, I mean, she recently had a speech for the Time's Up campaign. I remember that was the last thing that was in the news for her of recent prominence that I recall. Everyone's just like, oh, open for president and oh, please run for president. I'm like, no, why would you ever want to have Oprah as a president? I Didn't y'all learn with Obama? What's the right, right? Well, no, and you know, <laughs> you know, they haven't. <laughs> uh, so That's seeing right. her on the Michael Jackson, yeah. you know, interviewing him—that was her highest-rated show ever. Let's mm-hmm. remind ourselves of that. And when he passed away, you know, she just really exploited that. Oh, I'm so sorry about it. And she went back on it. It's like she's. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okra Winfrey. No. <laughs> and none of us like okra. Uh, my family has roots in the South. You're from the right. South. Right. <laughs> like I'm just saying, maybe this is subconscious, you know? I don't know. Because we don't like okra. I never liked it. My dad makes okra all the time. And I remember anytime he was like, well, I'm making okra. I'm like, okay, let me know so I can get something else because I don't eat <laughs> I don't like it. Never did. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> so, what I'm going to do call it to be subconscious just because I don't know why I started calling that. <laughs> <laughs> if, any, if anyone were to observe her history, not just with the. Not just Michael. There's Whitney Houston, too. Right. Oh, that's right. So pushing the cart with. The fat she lost, or what was assumed to be the percentage of fat she lost, and then the lady Ridiculous. whose face got uh, mauled by a chimpanzee. Do you remember? I remember that. I did a video about that actually. That was one of my first viral videos. I should mention because I remember I posted that, and for whatever reason, a lot of people commented and really resonated with what I had to say about it. But I remember. Yeah. So wait, what's the connection with that? Because I remember making a video about it, and I obviously remember the story of what she happened. She was just to the woman. really in tune with exploiting the situation. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't about humanizing a person. It's like, how can I get ratings out of this? It's it's like many of these talk show hosts, but she had an opportunity to sit with people one on one instead of you know, like a Ricky Lake or a Jenny Jones. I don't even know if people remember Jenny Jones or I don't. Randall but I know Ricky Lake, Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Those people. Curtis Berry. There were so many, but her frame of reference was Phil Donahue. So Phil Donahue did 
the type of television she aimed to do. And he did a very type of uh, incendiary type of television. He and Geraldo Rivera, before he moved to Fox, KKK members. They yeah. did. And so there was the whole thing with Geraldo. He had his nose broken. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> so that's the kind of television that we ended up seeing. And then you had uh, Richard Bay. You had, and this was all syndicated stuff. Then Richard Bay. And then there was the other, Morton Downey Jr. So then you had that element. So you had the Phil Donahue's and <laughs> the, the Okra's. And the Geraldos and the the Jenny Joneses that was in the middle, the Ricky Lakes, the uh, Jane, the Jane Show. So all that was in the middle of it. And then you had the Richard Bays and the Morton Downey Jr. So I was kind of the lower end of it. And then you had most of these people have probably have never heard of any of these shows. She was definitely the highest, the, right? The most popular. So Phil Donahue is what she was aiming for. Of course, Phil Donahue left the talk show circuit and he ended up doing stuff on, was it MSNBC? And he got fired from MSNBC because he was speaking against the invasion of Iraq. So, (laughs) and I think, uh, you know, he moved on to other uh, pieces of journalism, if you will. Phil Donahue was the model that, that Okra wanted to strive for because she was doing just the regular news channel in Ohio she said, you know, this isn't really what I want to do. And she, again, looked to Phil Donahue as inspiration. So she had episodes in the 80s where she went to an all-white town. She And you can find all of these clips on YouTube. Yeah, they're all on YouTube. They're all on. And the one where, to me, which is one of the most entertaining ones, where the kid was asked to recite the Bible, but he couldn't explain it. <laughs> Right, I remember that. <laughs> and he's like, in the fire of hell! And right. What does that mean? Well, well um, uh, I don't know. The Bible says it, so, I mean... Right. And the father's trying to step in. They're like, I no, know. let him speak. I remember that. That's stupid shit. So she had those kind of shows. And so then she moved on to the more spiritual... It, it reminds me of Ralph Smart, in a way. The... the uh, What's that guy? Peace, infinite waters, diving deep once again. <laughs> because yeah. he, at one point, was Hotep. He was a Hotepian dude. And then he moved on to the, the Eckhart Tolls and the, yeah. the secret kind Because there's a market. There's people trying there's a- to, you know, get some information from the gods of spirituality. And right. Oprah uses that also as exactly. an exclusive medium. Often. Right. She's the type to work with people like Deepak Chakra or whatever the hell. His right, Deepak Chakra, who who worked with Michael, on uh, yeah. th- that's a lot of the stuff in Dancing yeah. Team as yeah, much okay. as it's a great book. He was hanging out with Deepak Chopra and got uh, inspired yeah. by a lot of that stuff. And I yeah. think he moved away from that kind of stuff as well, which is like, oh okay. <laughs> but she started moving into that territory, and that's when you really started seeing a. a "Quote unquote middle class, middle America white uh-huh. frequent her audience. So it used to be a mixture of people, and then you saw you know, when she moved to the secret and all this stuff. And you get a car, you get a car, you get a house, whatever. 
that's when you saw the majority, solid majority of the audience was white women. White women. White women. <laughs> white women, period. But then the, the Christian community, the born-again Christian community, they came out in opposition to, to Okra because she was saying, well, there's more than one path to God. And she would have arguments with audience members and be like, no, the only path is Jesus. And she's like, yes. there's more. Th-. So you had that element. Be That's obsessed. what made my family like, oh, no. Right. Because <laughs> they were Christians. So they're like, uh, uh-uh, you can't say right. it's more than one way. It's only one. <laughs> so the whole facade of okra started to crack at this particular point when she was hanging out with particular people. And getting even more influence. And then, of course, the Oprah Winfrey Network Empire happened. Then you had the hip-hop community upset with Oprah because she targeted the hip-hop community and would not speak to particular folks in the hip-hop community. So she had Russell Simmons on, of course. Of course. What better person to get than Russell? Right. He's in Bali right now escaping his charges. Exactly. His accusations. She knew. And you had who she had common Rashid Lynn, who was just like, oh, I love. And she she actually openly acknowledged that she doesn't listen to half the music. She's just like, I just have these guests on. I listen to their music. And you see her trying to mouth the words of these songs. <laughs> it's hilarious. She had Russell Simmons, Common, aka Rashid Lynn, and a few other people that were seen to be in the quote conscious hip hop community. But if anybody knows anything about Common, when he was Common Sense, he was bitch and hoe all over his albums. And I'm like, how can he be a quote? He had a huge transformation. And he was still doing that when he was considered to be a conscious artist. One day it all makes sense. He started being deemed part of that conscious community. He was still talking about that stuff. So I don't understand how people have deemed him to be part of this community. And even uh, Kendrick Lamar. or Oh, all yeah. Like, oh, Be the God. next one. I'm like, they use the same kind of language. Although I can't wait to see what the next one. Won't be. So what, what's going on here? But Oprah Winfrey has somehow declared herself to be the arbiter of culture. So Yeah, that's the problem, though. That whole <laughs> idea she has, that she all of a sudden can make a call. Well, she is a gatekeeper. I mean, she has a lot of power. That's why... When Harvey was accused and obviously is seen as a predator now, her silence was deafening. And the only person that said something was Seal. And when he said something, then, you know, her oligarchs came out and was like, oh, well, you know, you can't say that because we know something on you. So, I mean, it's definitely a system in place to protect her interests because she has a lot of stake in media and that's why it would just be horrendous if she decided to run for president. It would be awful. It would be just as awful as Trump. I mean, but it's just as ridiculous as any modern president. I'm not going to make it seem as if, you know, it's the same card, just different way they shuffle it, you know. But I mean, Bush uh, being in there, it made sense because his family had right. a legacy. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. like his father was CIA. Prescott Bush, the grandfather, he was in with the Nazis. Yep. So, you know, they already had that legacy. So it made sense for Bush to continue that. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, 
You had George H.W. Bush, CIA, then president, and then the son. I'm not surprised by any of that. But Okra being president is not logical. A, she has never really spoken about policy, at least with Trump. You know, over time, he has spoken about policy o- over the years. So I wouldn't be surprised. They said. I wouldn't be surprised, though. She wouldn't have she would kind of run it to be all including you know, those neoliberal, probably in a way. I don't know. I just think that <laughs> Oprah is completely reckless in terms of how she exploits and then also how she uses materialism and capitalism as a vantage point and wedge to make people feel and she does a lot of that feel-good marketing. So she tries to know the story and oh, and this person was in the army and you know, it's always it's just so clear. It's clear to me. I don't see how anyone can't see Oprah for what she's always been. But for whatever reason, she uses again her her stake in society, the fact that she was a poor black girl. She didn't have anything and she worked her way up, but then when you think of what she's actually doing, she ain't really doing nothing besides protecting herself. So. Well, before we get into the Jackson situation, what do you think of the critique that she utilized a bunch of her funds towards a school back home, Africa, and she has not paid attention to the issues of Africans in the U.S. Do you think that's true at all? That she hasn't uh, that she donated any of her time or energy or money towards issues going on to Africans here? Yes, I do think that that's a worthy critique. I mean, she was from Chicago. And Chicago, everybody knows, Chicago is a danger zone. I mean, that's what I meant. Before I'm going to correct myself, I said Ohio. I met Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, brief story. I actually met Oprah briefly. This was a quick thing. I didn't actually talk to her, but my mom, we were in Chicago. This was, must have been 2008. Her manager, I don't, I, we, my mom actually took a picture with him. Um, I don't even know if, I'm sure she still has a picture, but he was like, my mom wanted to see. Again, she was a fan of Oprah. She liked it. She was like, oh, it's Oprah Studio. <laughs> and, you know, we took a picture out there. Well, she wanted to take a picture. So I took a picture of her and her manager was coming out. And she's like, oh, my God. And is Oprah here? And, blah, blah, blah. and <laughs> she was just leaving. And she, you know, she put her hand out the car, apparently. I think that's I want to say that was her because she said, oh, yeah, she's coming. You might be able to wave by and. Uh, and she was like, oh, Oprah, I love you, and all this other stuff. She's like, ugh. But anyway, Chicago. Danger zone. Because <laughs> even I'm like, Mom, you're not going to she's not gonna take a picture with you. She's like, I ain't trying to take a picture. I just want to be able to say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so the fact that she has this history in Chicago, and, you know, she's definitely aware of just the way the police, you know, the police brutality and just the many ways of assault and poverty in Chicago. I mean, you know, she has enough money to really make some kind of curves. In my estimation, I'm not saying that she hasn't done anything, but I don't think, I mean, it's the same with Obama. They're both in the same kind of conversation when it comes to like not really utilizing. I mean, I can go on and on Obama. He actually built a center in Chicago that's to the disadvantage of the locals there. It's a lot of people losing their jobs and the point I'm making is that 
Oprah, I think she uses Africa because, you know, she's, she goes back to the motherland that buys in the sympathy that buys in. Oh, she cares, you know, it's for those young girls. And, you know, and I know there was some discrepancy with that, too. Like, I want to say somebody was sued or um, there was a, a case involving rape with one of the girls. Mm. Uh, it was a lot going on with that. And she didn't really answer it to a lot of people's satisfaction. So. I just feel like she uses herself as a, you know, doll, so to speak. You know, she's like this icon that people don't even think twice. They don't even really think of the ways she's actually inflicting exploitation on people. So I don't know the fullness of why she doesn't do anything in Chicago. And I don't, you know, I'm sure more people have their ideas of why she hasn't. But what what would you say about that? I honestly don't know what she did besides a surface level donation of money (laughs) she's into that see it's not it's the whole thing of philanthropy and donations giving somebody something Mm -hmm. i mean there's enough to give money and show your face but i personally haven't seen any evidence of her putting in any work to assure that africans are liberated so if she's not invested in that then she's not going to be invested in Africans anywhere. I mean, you could have a school, but mm-hmm. if what standards do the, do the schools have? What uh, are the kids learning? Is it a, a quote education or indoctrination based on colonialism? I mean, there are a number of factors here. Oprah Winfrey certainly <laughs> has not uh, shown any evidence of supporting the liberation of African people. As you mentioned, she's a neoliberal, so I don't expect any positive work coming out of what she does. Yeah, you can look at it dialectically. Sure, she fronted money to produce a school. That's wonderful. But what work is she doing towards the liberation of African people? And that's the question we need to ask. That's the question we need to ask of all of these folks. And... Uh, given the neoliberal agenda, we shouldn't expect that to even be answered because that's not their interest. It's not their interest. Their interest is of protecting the establishment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oprah will always mention people who went to war, the veterans. You know, they'll. she's the type to be like, well, you know, America has had its faults. You know, no nation is great, but this is America. She's going to always protect that image. I don't care how quote-unquote black she presents herself to be and she isn't going to challenge the wars and what's going on in other countries that america is intrinsically the creator of (laughs) and justifier of um wall street all of that she's she's never going to go against them and that's what makes her a, a powerful problem that's what gives her the leverage to just do what she's doing with this documentary or not documentary but interview is you know it's it's kind of suspicious it's like why have you always been interested in talking about michael like when michael died you talked to lisa marie presley you talked to his kids you talked to his mother his you know it's like and you're still doubting you're still not going off of what has been like she's always raising the suspicions mm-hmm. of this guilt, you know, even though Michael has in so many ways opened up to, you know, what he was going through, 
she just denies all of that and she just makes it this grand conspiracy. And I wonder what does she have to gain out of it? Outside of ratings. Which is all she wants anyway. So I guess that's what she has to gain. Ratings. A lot of people are pissed off so that they can tune in. You know, she's trying. She's still hanging on the thread, this woman. To answer your question, and then I want to go chronologically with her experience with the Jacksons. I think JD from the YouTube channel History in the Mix, I think his suspicions are correct. She is doing her best to protect Harvey Weinstein. Yes. I think that's a huge component of it. I don't think that's the full component, but I think that is a huge reason why she is doing what she's doing. Apparently, when this Safe Chuck and Robson film was being played at Sundance, there was also the Harvey Weinstein documentary. That doesn't mean, oh, they put them uh, side by side on purpose. I don't know if it was coincidental. I don't know if it was purposeful. However, we know that Okra is friends with Harvey Weinstein. Is she doing what she's doing to protect him? That is a question to ask. I think there is something to that suspicion. JD is he's like 13 or 14 years old, and he's done so much work to figure out the clues, put them together. He's done his own investigations, more so than many older fans, I have to say. And so now I really want to derail this part of the conversation and go to that before we get to Oprah's history with the Jacksons. Because he did this video on Oprah Winfrey's connection to Weinstein. And he talked about uh, there's some note that they had amongst each other where they were going to uh, have some kind of reports on Michael Jackson to distract from what was happening with Harvey Weinstein. You know anything about that? I did hear that. And I think that that's definitely possible. Again, she was close to Harvey. And this is a great way to just change the narrative. You know, we have not heard really anything about Harvey Weinstein as of late. I mean, well, he has a court case coming up. They know that. Right. Well, hopefully that comes that becomes of something, because as it stands now, he's just basically waiting to be in prison and he might not even serve his full sentence. Who knows if the justice is really going to be really rewarded in his case, which I mean, in a lot of ways he's done anyway, but he's still protected. And I still don't understand why Oprah hasn't said anything about him. Why not talk about the documentary? He was a, but see, he worked like she worked, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew Harvey Weinstein had power. Everybody knew Miramax. And if, <laughs> and so, like, the fact that she is using Michael is just peculiar. Because, again, like, ten years afterwards, and then it's shady because at first you seem to be regretful and apologetic about what happened to him or just somehow she seemed at one time trying to be of the opinion that Michael was innocent, but not that it was sincere. I never believe she was sincerely mm-hmm. about her business. I mean, just talking to Janet Jackson, even I remember the interview she even did with Janet. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is like, I wish Janet said something. I wish <laughs> Janet was like, you know what? The me, the Joe, where you at? 
Be like, yo. <laughs> I mean, we need that. Because, mm-hmm. again, very few people. And it's interesting seeing what people are saying now. I'm seeing some talk about it, but it's still not a lot of people surprised. I think a lot of people are just like, wow, why would Oprah interview, you know, two known liars? But This is what I want to get to. This is exactly what I want to get to. Because anyone who has been following or studying her understands the nature of what she's doing is exploitative. Once again, when she rolled up with that, with that cart, with that fat in it, you know what she was about. People saw what that lady was about. She's going to exploit any situation. And then I think the first wave of her getting caught out there is when the meat industry sued her. Because she's like, okay, we're going to talk about not eating meat. And really? And yeah, the meat industry sued her. It was, it was a huge deal when that happened. So I think that was the first wave of the crack of the, the okra facade. I mean, there were other ones, but that was a huge one. And mm. all of these people saying, well, I thought she was his friend. And <laughs> I'm not paying say, attention. But how can you say that and on another end say, oh, we don't believe the media. See, this is what I mean. People don't do their homework. They're only reiterating what Michael said. They're not doing research on media. They say, oh, I don't like the media because Michael Jackson said I don't like the media. Right. They don't understand why the media is. And he wasn't just speaking of himself. I mean, he had knowledge of what what was going on in the world Mm -hmm. and he was calling attention to it. Michael was really bold. I mean, people don't really think of it because a lot of people weren't making hit songs talking about they don't really care about us. Like that was a hit. That was a song where he was actually promoting it. He was singing these lyrics. You know, he was really challenging a lot of the systems that we don't even really talk about or even acknowledge but he saw the facade he saw through it and it's just something about people not really paying attention to it but they're not really oprah has become bigger than the media she's become a person they don't see who she's working for it's like they should clearly see it so obama obama is an adjective or something people look at oprah as an adjective or a noun or something and the word media we have to look at that why is it the words media and propaganda, people only pay attention to it in reference to the opposition. Propaganda is on all sides. Even if you agree with something, it's still propaganda. Yeah, it's still propaganda. Whether or not you agree with something, it's still used in media. You have independent media, you have corporate media. Why is it people go, don't pay attention to the media? Just because Michael Jackson said it. Michael Jackson did interviews with corporate media. Are you saying he's going against his own word, which means you're going against Michael Jackson? Like we have to be able to do our own research. And I maintain when Michael Jackson sings, just because you read it in a magazine or see it on a TV screen, don't make it factual. Yeah. I I'm gonna say he's talking about himself as well because he refers to this in the Moonwalker book as well. Because he says, you know, I'm not always an angel and. You know, he he acknowledges this and everyone says, oh, he is an angel. He's perfect. He, no, he's not perfect. He was not <laughs> perfect. Clearly. I mean, but no one is. He had faults. And what people need to do is remind themselves of that. They, it's yeah, it's. Whew. 
So when Michael Jackson is trolling Martin Bashir, but shit. he's saying is not true. Yes. <laughs> he's trolling Martin Bashir. Sadly, it backfired on him. He's still trolling him, though. There's no, so- it's, I mean, and that's actually clever when you look at it from that angle. Instead of making Michael this innocent, naive puppy who can't see through the bullshit. You know, like he was definitely aware of ways that people tried to kind of come at him. And he, you know, that's a good perspective you added because people think just because they see it. And then he didn't do much of anything. You know, Michael was not the type to do interviews. He wasn't the type to really talk through talking i mean he did he had a lot of symbolism and stuff but mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing how people accept it's actually harmful to to imagine michael as this lovey-dovey ignorant <laughs> oh i didn't know it's like what come on yeah of course he knew he was calling out this shit he knew i mean and in a way that industry knew too because it was very clear that he was about his business i mean the purchase of the sony atv catalog they like, now, wait a minute now. Well, no, no, no. It, it wasn't a purchase of Sony ATV. It was just purchase of ATV. ATV. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just ATV. Or just his knowledge of business. What he was doing, it was going further than they agreed. And just a lot of his business affairs became, you know, soil in the process. But just going back to Oprah for a second, I think her knowledge of his you know, worth and what he was doing. You know, she used it as a way. She was like, okay, this man. I mean, again, 95 million people. I wonder how many people were around in 93 in America. That's like nearly half of America, even. I know there's more now, but just thinking of how many people around the world, you know, just this is the first time Michael's talking. He decided to speak to this woman and she used it as an opportunity to just, uh, well, you know. It's like, uh, and you just look at his mannerisms around her. You can see, and she was the same way when she interviewed Prince. I feel like, you know, she mm-hmm. definitely was trying to get some. Oh, what happened to your son? And he was like, look, me and my day are good. So yeah, talking about nothing. Yes, uh, and that is the difference between the two interviews. I honestly think the interview she did with Prince was not very good. He's done far superior interviews, but. She attempted in many cases to exploit the situation and he would not let her do it. He was in control for the most part. He also worked as a means to control his image. And Michael did as well, but Michael learned from a particular school of Motown and Joe Jackson. So that was a particular method, but Prince, he had management, but he controlled his image. Right. Exactly. Purple Rain on that level, he didn't control his image as much. But on other levels, you know, when he got signed by Warner Brothers, he's like, no, I want to have creative control. I want this. I want that. Uh, I will not sign with you if you do not give me these things. So he, from the start, had a means to control yeah. his image. But Michael, he was always having other people control his yeah. image capacity. So when he used means to control his image, it backfired because he didn't really have a lot of ideas as a means of navigating that. And so the responses he gave, you know, when she asked him, are you a virgin? He could have been like, 
woman, next question, you know? He's right. Like, oh, bro, that's funny. Like, what? <laughs> like, why? Oh, you are so funny. Why do you entertain? <laughs> be like, okay, Oprah, I know I told you you could ask me anything. But there's some questions that are off limits that are really private to me. Yeah, exactly. Because so you're not gonna make me a fool. Yeah. He could have definitely been like that. See, she. I mean, imagine. See, these kind of questions she would ask. She knew that that would give people, you know, put them on the spot. Mm-hmm. Just kind of make it awkward. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, I wish Michael was like, why would you ask me that? Are you a virgin, Oprah? I didn't see you with no man recently. Exactly. You with somebody? Where's Stedman? Where's Stedman, Oprah? Where's Stedman? Who's on top, Oprah? There you go. Where's Gail? Private. (laughs) Ask me a private question. How does it feel? Exactly. But no, he didn't. Yeah, he just training to ask questions like that. And so Prince, like he already knew how these people were, so he was always able to flip the question around where they changed to the next subject. He maneuvered that so well all the time. He controlled it. Michael's like, hee, hee, hee. I'm like, oh, dude, what are, you doing? what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Just no. No. That is why, to me, that interview he did with Okra was one of the worst interviews he ever did because he wasn't able to troll. I think he didn't have the practice of trolling at that point. He opened it up where he said, you can ask me anything. That was the first mistake. And so she said, okay, I'm exploited. I'm going to exploit that situation. You said I can ask anything. And then that whole thing with Elizabeth Taylor, are you kidding me? The whole thing was disastrous. Like there were a oh, couple yeah. okay mm-hmm. part, but the whole thing was just wrong. It was wrong. And then she's like, well, yeah, the whole skin situation and, so now you're forcing him to give out his medical information, which clearly he was uncomfortable with doing that. So he didn't use the word vitiligo, but he was like, you know, I have, did he use, I don't remember if he said autoimmune disorder, but he said, I have a disease or I have something I can't control. And you see him shifting in his seat. Like he clearly didn't want to answer the question. Of course, she's not a good interviewer and she's not, you know, she's explaining the situation. So of course she's not going to be sensitive to body language. She's not going to be sensitive to tone. She's going to be like, hmm, hmm, and she leans in. It's just like, hmm, can you expound on that? Right, he's just like, exactly. Oprah, no! I, this is a I don't. Like, can we go to the next clip? But he didn't ask that. He didn't say that. He was just like, uh, I have an issue. I can't control it. And then she goes into the Joe Jackson thing. So, of course, he's apologizing for his abuser. He is rational. Yeah, and then he just says, oh, but he's a good guy. Right. Yeah. So the whole thing she set up, and anybody who thinks the interview that she gave to Michael was purposely done in his favor, they need to go study Oprah Winfrey. The interview was done to exploit his situation because she's clearly been studying him in some capacity. So she's exploiting the situation in her favor. It's at his expense because she already came in an interview thinking he was weird. And then she straight up said, well, oh, I feel like I can now be a friend. Like she already came at it like, oh, he's a weird dude. I don't know what's going to happen. So 
And then she's like, oh, I had a crush on Jackie when I was a kid. Yeah, that, that's Oprah. It's Oprah. <laughs> exactly. That Jackie. It's like, oh, Jackie, I had a big crush on you. And it's like, all right, just. Ugh. So I want to get back to the whole thing where people have defended Oprah because she somehow had experience with Michael Jackson and his family. They somehow think. Well, she supported him because she interviewed him, not paying attention to her interviewing techniques. On JD's channel, History in the Mix, somebody made a comment. So many people need to see this because, of course, he was defending Michael. Let's get Charlemagne the God to see this. He supports Michael Jackson 100%. (laughs) And people clearly are selective when it comes to defending Michael Jackson. They do not care if people who defend Michael Jackson are child rapists, even though Michael Jackson is not, they don't care that his supporters are. They don't care that uh, Michael Jackson's supporters have defended child rapists. They don't care that Michael Jackson's supporters have done terrible things to other people. Oh, he supports Michael Jackson. So, uh, you know, let's support Charlemagne. Charlemagne has openly acknowledged drugging women and sexually assaulting and raping them. He talks on the radio about raping his wife, who is his, the person who is now his wife. And so she had to call in and be like, no, no. He posts uh, some Twitter entries uh, defending R. Kelly's actions as a child predator. Be like, oh, you know, the fountain of youth and all that. I'm not even going to continue it. But this is Charlemagne. And y'all are defending this just because he supports Michael Jackson 100%? Are you kidding me? This is what I mean. People are not doing their homework. They supported R. Kelly because they saw Michael Jackson dancing to to his songs. People do not, they blindly follow people based on their perceptions, based on their fandom, their loyalty. You don't got to be loyal to everybody. That's not necessary. And it's clear to me that some of these fans do not look at the facts of the case. They just go, Michael Jackson's innocent because he's Michael Jackson and he would never harm a child. He said he would never harm a child. So clearly he's innocent. No, no. Child predatory behavior is common in our families. It's common in these streets. And I'm not going to believe Michael Jackson that he doesn't have the capacity to harm a child. He was harmed himself as a child. So I'm just going to be like, well, you know, he faced that pain, that trauma as a child. So clearly he wouldn't do that. Are you kidding me? Kids who have been abused as children, a lot of the time they don't understand boundaries. Michael Jackson did not understand boundaries. Am I saying he committed child abuse? Clearly not. I don't think he was a child abuser. I'm going to say it once again. I think he took whatever trauma he had and he put it on these children, used the children as a means to deal with the trauma that he had. No, that is not a wise thing to do. He should not have done that. And to be like, well, you know, he didn't have a child on himself. So mentally he was like, no, you go deal with that and see a therapist. You don't hang out with kids to try to deal with whatever childhood you don't have. No. Uh, Michael Jackson, from the evidence I have seen, is not a child predator or a child molester or a child rapist. 
That is not what I am saying. And some people, I'm sure, even after I said that, would take it as such. <laughs> like, come on, people. Yeah, everybody like, what you saying? Yes, he's not. He's Somebody who was formed as a child has the capacity to hurt other people. It's like people who abuse as children end up abusing cats and dogs and birds. And, and then they end up getting to practice from there and harming children. They end up harming other adults. To say that Michael Jackson had no capacity whatsoever to harm other people makes no sense to me, uh, particularly as a, a person who did grow up in an abusive childhood, similar to Michael, actually, which is why I empathize with him. I, I studied him and said, you know, we had similar childhoods. And I know I grew up because of that trauma, not having boundaries, and I had to learn to have boundaries with people. So to say that, well, Michael Jackson doesn't have the capacity or an abusive bone in his body. Get out of here. No, don't solidly defend someone just because you like their music or you like how they sound or whatever and your perception of them is innocent. No, 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 no. The only way you are going to have a good defense of Michael Jackson is if you actually did the homework on all the cases. I don't care what anybody says. Like as a person who, and I'm going to say, and I've said this on other podcasts, and I'll say it again, as a person who was sexually assaulted as a child, uh, no, I'm not just going to believe someone. I'm going to automatically believe the child. And I have to do the homework to be like, okay, did Michael Jackson really do this? It's terrible. Yeah, I love his music and everything. And I think he's a good dude, but did he really do this? And I have to do the homework on it. And if I find any evidence whatsoever that he harmed a child in any way, I'm telling you, I'm going to burn all his records on camera. I I don't care. I'm, I'll, I'll give them to somebody if they want them, but I'm not even going to do that because I'm going to be participating. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm burning all his records. I don't care. I'll smash him, whatever it is. If I see any similar evidence like R. Kelly or whatever, but after all these years, we haven't seen that evidence. So as far as I am concerned, I am thoroughly convinced that Michael Jackson is not a child predator. I'm still maintaining that we have to do the homework on that. And I'm not just going to believe someone because I like their music. I'm not going to believe him because he says, well, the press is after me. And uh, like, come on, like, we can't just automatically believe people like that. Those are some serious charges. And we can uh, look at the patterns of uh, Michael uh, being a survivor of abuse, just how he defended his abuser, all of these patterns. And to say that he doesn't have the capacity to abuse, I, I don't know if people who are saying that have not experienced that themselves or they're just being delusional. I don't know. But we should never believe someone because they are a celebrity or because we like them. You know, if, if someone in my family if, came to me and said, you know, my uncle is doing this to me, I'm, I'm be like, okay, what happened? I'm not gonna be like, well, the, the uncle's nice to me. So of, of course he wouldn't do that to you. Does that even make sense to people? Like people treat Michael Jackson with more respect than their own family members and their friends. Like they don't even know the guy. And they're like, he would never harm a child. How can you say that? How do we know that he doesn't have the capacity to harm a child? How do we automatically know this? Just because he said it? 
That makes no logical sense. So we got to do the homework. Fans, if you are a fan, do the homework and be well-researched and well-rounded about the cases. Don't just blindly believe somebody. That is that is the wrong way to go, and that's not helping your case. That is really not helping your case. That is my rant. <laughs> I'm just tired of people being like, oh, hey, Charlemagne the God, let's just, you know. And, you know, I want to say briefly to that, I think the comment was left by someone gravely misinformed because the reality is this generation of people now online, there's a lot of young people. They don't know nothing outside of the fact of a person being a public figure. They may not know the dirt or the actual bullshit that is actually out there to know. They just know the numbers. They know Charlemagne the God is a quite popular figure and he's been vocal supporting Michael and the sense that, you know, saying that he's not um, guilty. So that's enough for a lot of people to be like, oh, he cool. He cool. He cool. Right. Oh, he cool. You know, they don't even think of it beyond that point. But it is important to look at it objectively, to do the facts, because, again, it's like you mentioned, just because you enjoy someone's music, it doesn't mean you know anything about their personal life. But it just so happens that in Michael's favor, he was very... Um, he was very much vindicated by the fact that he was not guilty of any of those things. Based off of the studies, you know, what we can see is he obviously compensated. And you can argue whether or not that compensation is worthy or somehow problematic, which I would say in some instances it was because it could have been handled a better way. But it still says something about addressing the fact that he had to acknowledge his own abuse. He was very open about his abuse. Um, and while a lot of that has been just overlooked, I mean, a lot of people, they, the whole family, like just the whole, when you really look at the Jacksons and the industry and you just see how their father used them in that way, in a way it was, it was good to their success, but it was bad to their personal lives. Yeah. Um, cause anyone who's abused, I mean, anyone who's a victim of that kind of abuse, any kind of abuse, really, you may carry or somehow repeat some of those same uh, avenues of abuse, not even knowingly, you know, until someone calls it to your attention or, you know, a lot of people are just not aware of the ways that their story is changing the narrative to their detriment. So, but it still means like taking care of yourself and getting the help that you deserve and I mean, it just broke Michael down to just have to go through that consistently. And I think a lot of people are just looking for a way to empathize with the situation. But they need to also understand that these kind of conversations are hard to have. Like all of what you said, you know, listening to it, no one can say, oh, no, I don't agree. Because it's true. You really have to just look at it objectively and, and understand that we don't know anyone's intentions people who are abused do abuse it doesn't mean that michael abused because again based off of the evidence we can't see that he abused anything or anyone i mean he abused himself not always i think he harmed himself yeah i mean that's what a lot that's kind of what happens also when you're abused is you start you know denying yourself the value which this is a i mean i'm not sure we, i'm gonna just go there anyway the bridge i wanted to mention uh about the uh there was a documentary that the uh, maids did suggesting that Michael 
really <laughs> dirty and you, right. you yeah i mentioned in that because that's a i'm sorry look let me tell <laughs> they talking about he peed all over the floor and how you won't work with somebody for a number of years never land smelling like pee and you still working there i'm sorry uh-uh no yeah make it make sense no make <laughs> i mean <laughs> yo it smells like pissing here yeah i'm i quit if it's that unsanitary but they were a part of a lawsuit suing michael for something i remember What's reading that? the woman one of the maids she was a part of a All recent right. lawsuit suing michael for some damages she didn't actually win either so adrian mcmanus is one of them and there okay. there was uh, apparently someone else who did and she dropped the case and just dropped out so i i don't know but people are trying to see left and right and some people realize they don't have a case other cases get dropped out of court i don't know what's going on but it's the 10th year of Michael not being here. I don't know if that's an inspiration for people. I have no idea what's going on. I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask you when Michael said, "I would rather hurt myself than hurt a child." To me, that does go with my theory that people do have the capacity to hurt other people. Because of the abuse and the trauma they experienced, did Michael want to hurt other children? I personally don't think so, but because he saw the patterns of what happened under child abuse, uh, was he scared that he potentially could have hurt a child? Now, I'm not even talking sexually. Right. I'm talking like when he had kids, was he so afraid? Like, please, I I want my kids to be well-behaved so I don't even have the potential of beating them is what I'm talking about. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I was beat. And so we have to even get to that conversation. Was he so frightened of repeating Joe's behaviors that he hurt himself? Was he scared of any potentiality of hurting kids in any way again i'm not even talking about sexual abuse that he hurt himself yes i think we had a conversation before we think he had body dysmorphic disorder uh, but there there were other things going on uh, yes joe said you're ugly you know it's not my nose it's your mother's nose and he talked about the hair he talked about all kind of things but what else was going on for Michael to say, I'd rather hurt myself than hurt a child. Uh, there's something else happening. And I don't think he's referring to the sexual abuse. There, there's something else. And I think a lot of people who were abused as kids and have trauma, a lot of people don't want to have kids because they're afraid of right. behaviors. Yeah. And so... Was that the situation with Michael? We will never know unless something comes out. But I really think he was afraid of repeating Joe's behaviors. And so he tried his best to uh, respond against that. I think that um, that's a very interesting question. I mean, he definitely didn't want to ever be in a position where he would hurt a child unintentionally or intentionally. Knowing what he suffered, 
But when he said that, I think he was also maybe talking coming from the perspective that you know, it's like when he said, "I'll slit my wrist first. Mm-hmm. Like he really respected and he he appreciated the innocence in children in a spiritual way. Yeah. And people just exploited that because I still don't think. Yeah, you're right. He was abused, and some would probably even suggest he was sexually abused. There's no evidence to support that, but he was definitely ah, abused. We think that, even right? though there is. You believe that? <laughs> so, um, and it's possible. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, a lot of kids are sexually abused. Mm-hmm. That's a reality. You know, it's, this is not like hog dog conversation. It's it's very common, and so a lot of people are carrying that. And the usual response to that is, oh, you know, you can get help. You could, I mean, going through it, there are a lot of people who are obviously traumatized and the reaction to that trauma varies significantly. But when you take Michael as this famous person and really not like dividing the line of whether or not it's right or okay, I think he just appreciated he saw himself and he saw how he was used as a child and i mean he also made friends with other people in the same way like elizabeth taylor and Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other people who had shared that story so it seemed like he was just very closed he was lonely and the loneliness that he would explain it seemed to be so deep that the only way to really feel it is to it was kind of like a longing and a capturing for something that he never had. And yet appreciating what it brought him and the joy it gave him. But it was easily capable of being exploited. Mm-hmm. Because it's not common to happen from an African man who was basically put in a situation to you know, like everything he did was calculated. Like it was just a lot going on. A lot of the variables at play were just so significant. He didn't have the people around him to really, I mean, later on he got it, but you can see he was, he was struggling a bit with, with the media because Mm -hmm. he saw it really going against him in ways to his detriment. And he saw how exploitive it was and he couldn't really get himself out of it. Anything he did became a story. I still remember National Enquirer, just like all of the magazines that they would have, the surgery and when is it enough? It was almost like he could never escape the conversation of, you know, whatever it was. So I don't know if if he's actually like when he says that he would slit his wrist first. I mean, it was it was that holy to him, it seems. It seems like just the innocence of children to purity. And I mean. There's some debate. I mean, I would say as much as I love children, everybody know. And I know I know Michael even knew when he had his children. Like there are a couple of clips you can see of him reprimanding them and you know, I wasn't talking you know, I wasn't talking to you, uh right. Prince. You know. <laughs> Daddy's talking right now. You see me, right. right? You see me talking, right? I'm not talking to you. You know, so he definitely um probably understood on some level that okay as much as I love children they're still they can be a challenge 
you yeah. know, to, to, to raise and cause you're having to teach them, you know, it, there's so much, um, that you have to inform them of and they're different You know, no child is the same. So you're going to have to cater to each of those child's needs, just his life, you know, having to just navigate around his fame and hiding them really just literally doing the best he could to protect them from the media and the world. I mean, they wore a mask. Nobody knew what these children looked like even and very guarded and protected, you know? So he, in so many ways, wow, he, it made sense that he left America and did his own thing. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, long story short, I do think he, um, he just considered children to be very holy in the sense that they, you know, innocent, like he, he was one of the only, and they are, I mean, children, you know, there's so many dangers happen to children when you think of trafficking and mm-hmm. so many ways that this is an underground thing happening daily in many parts of the world and then there's just the disadvantages a lot of them have not having access and it just creates this culture and community that can be very um full on so i mean i'm going all over the place but. you got me thinking of two things the trafficking issue Neverland was a place where thousands of people went. If Neverland was a place where children went and Michael Jackson was there and not there a lot of the time because he was on tour and did appearances, etc., went to the store. People have insinuated that Neverland was a space to hold a child trafficking ring. Don't you think if that was the case, the FBI would have already been on that. Already. They him for over 10 years. They found nothing in computers. That's the first thing when you have these pedophiles, they have all of these child porn things on the computers. And, and uh, Michael Jackson was intelligent, but he didn't play chess like that, where he's like, yeah. I don't have, um, I have all these videos, but I'm not going to keep them in any of the computers. He was notorious for keeping a bunch of files in computers. So, so yeah. you didn't tell me the child porn that you think he had, he somehow put them somewhere else? Right. So doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. People are not doing the research. He was watched for over 10 years by federal organizations by local organizations and state-led organizations. And you're trying to tell me that they somehow missed what was reported in 2016, that he had uh, videos of bestiality and child Like, come on. Yeah, and not, people automatically uh, rush to believe that. Raider and it's mainly, and see, it's insidious, though. It's really insidious. So these people mean to tell me the FBI somehow skipped over that. Come on, think about it. That it, the FBI could have framed Michael Jackson. They didn't necessarily like him. The DA could have framed him. Tom Steddon certainly didn't like certainly. him. Certainly, right. He's been trying to be after him for ten years. You think that he wanted him acquitted? You think they wanted him to be found not guilty? Are you kidding me? They could have planted anything on that dude. Yeah. He was not in Neverland all the time. They could have planted anything like they planted drugs on Africans. It was it's amazing they didn't do it, though. Yeah, they, it, it would have been caught out. I think 
if they did plant anything on him, it would have been found posthumously that they did it. For sure. But they yeah. could have framed anything on this dude, and they did not. So you were telling me that Neverland was used as a pedophile ring and R. Kelly was it? Come on, like people are coming up with these theories that make no amount of sense. <laughs> and the other thing I was thinking when you were talking was that Michael Jackson was the first man of African descent, prominent man of African descent, to really speak about his childhood trauma on the levels that he did. There were some people talking about it here and there, but in terms of worldwide recognition as an individual, he was the first prominent man of African descent to talk about this issue. And I started thinking about toxic masculinity and how people still look up to Joe Jackson as this model of proper uh, masculinity and being a a father that uh, reared his kids in the right way because they didn't go to prison or they became famous. And so he was the the solid patriarch. People still consider him a solid patriarch, even though he did not let his children address him as father. Even though he used his kids as a means to come up financially. But yeah. he was a solid father because he raised his kids in the right way to not go to prison. So all people are defending this toxic masculinity. And so now you have a lot of men coming out about their sexual assaults and people are actually being more sympathetic to them. But Michael Jackson, talking about his abuse, he was attacked when he first started really coming out about it. And I think that was the fear with the Oprah interview where he was just like, I'm sorry, Joe. Like he literally said, I'm sorry, Joe. And you saw him kind of curl up. We have to pay attention to his body language. No man of African descent of that stature was really talking about being abused as a child. And there he is being forced in a way to do it. I don't think he was ever going to come out about it if he wasn't forced to do it. So I, I think that is, if we want to give the Oprah interview a positive, I think, you know, him coming out and having more people talk about being abused as children. Uh, but you saw him go, sorry, Joe, and him cowering in fear, even though Joe Jackson wasn't there. So that just shows you the amount of fear he instilled in his children. And I have this conversation with my mother. He's like, they still scared of him? You, he beat them to the point where like like they heard his footsteps they had to cower so he instilled this fear in them that they never let go of that they're defending what he did to them even though yeah and see but this is a common thing that happens in those that are abused if you study it from a psychological level it's not surprising that they're like that it's like talking to people who say Oh, if I wasn't beat, I would have been a such and well, such, you know. Exactly. And you justify it because you think, oh, well, I, I mean, I was beat all my life. So I knew if I touched that hot stove, mama going to get the belt. So instead of imparting wisdom on your child, your only option is to beat him. Don't do that. All you're doing is teaching avoidance. If that's what you want, if that's your goal, okay. I mean, this is why humans beat dogs because they want, like, don't pee on the floor. It's like. You're not going to teach them anything but fear. And you're not bringing them to another place to pee. You're just seeing them pee and beating them. What are they learning? (laughs) 
And so the I was thinking about is his connection with other folks who have been abused. Who are they? White women. White women have come out and talked about their abuse, but African men have not. On another level, African women have not on on a a lesser uh, level than white women. Uh, Tatum O'Neill, she was abused by her father. And I remember the interview she gave, I think it was Howard Stern, sadly enough. But she talked about how Ryan O'Neill, her father, was flirting with her at Farrah Fawcett's funeral. And, of course, Farrah Fawcett moved to the ancestors on the same day as Michael Jackson. But, of course, when Michael Jackson was gone, he got way more coverage. But Farrah Fawcett... Yep, I remember that, too. ...also passed on June 25th, 2009. Tatum O'Neill was talking about when they were at her funeral. And he was like, hey, you want to go out or whatever? She's like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. So... That's just disturbing. That is absolutely disturbing that he did not know that was his child. Uh, And she was just exploited. She was abused as a child. And Brooke Shields was also exploited and abused as a child. Liza Minnelli was exploited just as her mother, Judy Garland, was. And Elizabeth Taylor was exploited. So all of these people he connected with were exploited as children were white women. And... People say, well, why is he hanging out with all these white people? It's because of, because of that connection. You know, there, there are other reasons, and I think that is a primary uh-huh. connection. He was in a bubble in the entertainment industry. He didn't have connections with people in the, quote, real world. Uh-huh. He didn't know how to communicate with people in the, quote, real world. So how else was he supposed to communicate with people? That's what he knew. But everyone's speaking about him like, He's ex- experiencing the same things as the rest of us. Yes, he has similar experiences. He had childhood trauma. He had to uh, clock in a job. You know, yes, there are those elements that are commonalities. But the world he lived in was so vastly different than the rest of us. We yeah. cannot gauge our experiences. We cannot gauge his experiences through our perspectives. Like that's impossible. Dude was. One of, or if not the most famous person, he was the famous person. I mean, this is what I always go back to. Right, we not to be like, oh, Michael is just a phantom. Like that's actually not the best kind of reality because that means anything you do, anything, it don't matter what it is, it's going to be maximized, tripled, multiplied in ways that it's like, okay, that produces in immeasurable space of loneliness. I mean, a huge space. Even if you create your own space like he did with Neverland, that turned out to be a charade. And he's like, I'll never go to Neverland again. And that was the place that he, you know, that was his Paisley Park, so to speak. You know, Mm -hmm. just just to mention Prince, since this is a Prince and Michael podcast, I had to find a way to be like, yo, Prince! Of course! (laughs) So, like, because of this, you know, this, this reach, you know, like, People need to, it's like you said, we can't gauge our experiences and, and consider the fact that he he was living a completely different world. I mean, completely different world. And we got to be sensitive to that. Yeah. Be aware of that. That provides a hell of a lot of perspective. Then to just be like, oh, why are you here? I don't need white people. <laughs> 
uh, white people won't make a difference. I'm, this that was specifically targeted to people called black folks. For the white <laughs> listeners wondering, what are you talking about? Because I know you don't see a difference. But what do you mean, Michael? He was because <laughs> race. He transcended race. Oh, yeah, he the world. He said that he didn't see color. He. <laughs> <laughs>
Bye. Michael Jackson could have done the same thing, and they could have said cut, and then he could have been like, uh-huh. "Oh, talk to you," and then they could have cut to another scene. But he, he that would have been nice. Like, I mean, that would have been like because that imp- that's showing that you know, look, you're in my house, you're not gonna disrespect me like that. Exactly. You, know, you ain't gonna do it just because you want ratings. You ain't gonna do it just because you black. Like, no. Right. Exactly. No, it ain't gonna happen because it's not cool. Like, he, I wish he would have stood up for him, but he was so Michael. respectful. I mean, the thing is, he. Michael, uh, Michael, let me ask you something. Virgin. How does that even sound? Like, that doesn't even sound right. Come on. Yeah. Dude. Why are you asking him that? Why is that relevant? It makes it like he's a pawn in your plate. It's like Diane Sawyer asking if he had sex with Lisa. Same. All right. Why are you asking? Just because people want to know that, don't mean you got to ask it. Right. Oh, this is the number one question everyone wants to know. It's people still have these assumptions about Michael Jackson. They think he's weird, and people assume he's asexual, or yeah. he's a virgin, or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's not your business. Not your business. And even when he was with Lisa Marie, how they answered it. It's like they were uncomfortable because they just could have said, next question. Next question. They're like, hey, oh, of course we have said, like, whose business is it? I don't care if y'all did BDSM. I don't care if you had sex five times a day i don't care whose business is it next question why did michael jackson give in to these stupid questions and i know this is second week in a row i'm like there's no such thing as a stupid question but there are there really are and that's a stupid question who cares if he never had sex a day in his life or he had sex every day why is it my business? Why is it Jesse's business? Why is it <laughs> Sawyer's business? Why is it anybody's business? It makes no sense to fulfill some kind of fantasy for the fandom or to to get some kind of exploitation out. What it's nobody's business whether or not Michael Jackson had sex with anybody. It come on, people. So he should have just walked out the room. They should have cut the camera. Next scene, they could have had another question. But no, he had to sit there and be embarrassed and say, oh, oh, that's private. Like, no, no, no. I mean, do you think he was aware that the reaction would be that way? Because there's also a way of looking. I mean, because I've always, when I think of that piece of the interview and I think of his reaction, I think he's more so kind of like uh, you know like he's being there are ways he's being shady like if you look at his body language like when elizabeth taylor comes through i think that's <laughs> another highlight because when elizabeth taylor sitting down michael jackson is as still as a statue with his hands behind his back mm-hmm. and he's just still he's just kind of watching elizabeth making sure she ain't saying no bullshit and <laughs> he, he cracks a little smile and one of the pieces, like, she'll mention something about him, like, oh, he's just been such a delightful friend, and da 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 And kind of, like, you know, there's a little smile, like, hmm. That was really irritating to me to watch that. It was so, it was such this fabricated piece of 
entertainment, if you will. Yeah, that's the nineties. The nineties like doing shit like that. The ads, yeah. transitionary and I phases. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the nature of their relationship. I think, based on things they publicly said, they used each other. So I think they had a particular type of relationship where they used each other for particular purposes. Were they actually <laughs> friends? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I think they did use each other. And Elizabeth Taylor was very public and saying, yeah, he bought me things. Like, he wanted me to go somewhere with him. He bought me something. I went with him. <laughs> you know, a- when you told me this perspective about it, it blew my mind because I never really examined. I knew that they both shared the same childhood. But to think of every scenario in which she's talked about Michael, she'll mention, oh, he, he bought me this beautiful necklace. or He made me this beautiful song. Yeah. <laughs> He was but he, he was yeah, but he, he like Elizabeth, I love you, greatest Elizabeth, can't you see that it's true? <laughs> Elizabeth, I love you. The world knows <laughs> you're now on all the things on earth. Now I pray one day to be just. And all while this is going on, Elizabeth Taylor is just smiling. She, she just sat there like nothing. She sat there. She Are didn't you do no move. Freaking wrote a whole song to you. And you're like, he, he, he. That's why I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's the first time I questioned their relationship. When I saw that, he made a whole production. But she's just like, he, he, he. I'm like, I would have been like, that's right. That's right. You right. Yeah. Right. She didn't, it didn't seem like the sincerest reaction. That was the first thing I had. I'm like, why is she just smiling? Like, I could imagine her being wild, crazy, like clapping and like, oh, wow. Or, you know, but. Right. And hey, maybe they she was doing that in some parts because I mean, obviously the camera was mainly on Michael, but that's true. That's a good point. But I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just trying to give her as the benefit of the doubt. But you're right. She she clearly um, they had an interesting relationship, and you know, I think it's like you mentioned. Michael was isolated. He was really isolated. Like. When I talk about Michael and when people talk about Michael, they need to con- contextualize just what he was at the time of, you know, pre-internet, you know. This was pre-internet mm-hmm. for a lot of the time, I mean. And when he passed away, and, you know, I do think when Michael transcended, there was a total energy shift mm-hmm. in the space, yeah. much like the Prince, because his impact and his spirit, you know, his energy was undeniable. I mean, this is a man that had people fainting. And it's go it goes beyond the worship of Michael being this celebrated musician and person. I think he just carried an aura about him. And anyone that talks about Michael when they when they share these experiences, even if you think of James Ingram, any person he's worked with, they express and speak of a great vibration he had and energy. This was multiplied by the fact that he was the world's most famous person. And having to navigate with who he was in an industry that only needed him for his service, not of his, you know, they just wanted him to make the newest album, sell out a new tour, you know. So I think it's just important to just consider the fact that he 
you know, when he left, it changed. And it was also, it also happened to be around the same time Facebook and um, Twitter in particular were booming, like becoming a thing. The replacement of, like, it stopped being about, like, tabloids and stuff, where it wasn't catching on. People started seeing themselves more with the selfies and also just the way we interacted and shared news. It was creating this, what Twitter is now, it was just becoming that when he passed away. I just remember, like, it was totally different. The vibrations of how, um, and I'm using the word vibration, it sounds so deep, but I should just be like, you know, it was, the internet was just booming. And he he basically shut down the internet when he passed away. Wikipedia stopped, Twitter stopped, um, Facebook crashed. You know, it became just this huge conversation. So yeah. whatever these accusations are, I mean, we also obviously know Wade Robinson, Safe Truck. They just try, you know they trying to make money. They'll do it at the expense <laughs> of even the fact that it's been ten years. Yeah. But you know what we can clearly see is that Michael. You know, as for all of the, oh, that's odd, and oh, yeah, for all of that you can say about him, you can also be like, you know what, when you look at his life, though, and you look at, and you really pick up the pieces and just see what happened to him, and it's like, man, 50 years. I never could see him get old, though, because mainly because, even though he had children, because his light and his life gave him too many curdles, like, and he was sensitive, you know, he was he was still a warrior. I mean, he had tough skin and he was able to endure a lot. He was definitely a strong soul, but he was worn out. He was worn yes. out. Yes. He was worn out. By the time this is it came along, that's why. All right. This is it. <laughs> it's it. No more. No more. I'm going to just do some filming, you know, kind of like what the son's doing, I guess. But he was not going to be no, you know. Yeah, look at Mike. Yeah, Michael, you look at No more Billy Jean, no more none of that. <laughs> That's where he was going. And I wish I wish he would have gotten that because that would have been the final rest. But now he's rest now, you know, he's not here. And in a way it's good that he's not able to see this come up again. Because imagine Michael in the Me Too movement now. Or with Harvey Weinstein. That's see he would have probably already exposed Oprah on the album though. I know he would have. I, I don't think he would have said much. I think he would have put some clues on his music, but I don't think he publicly would have said anything. I honestly don't, just based on how he If was, somebody like, came against, you don't think nobody would? Well, yeah, you got that Motown effect. Yeah, it's a Motown effect, and he never publicly said anything about R. Kelly. Uh, yeah. He never said he didn't do it or he did do it. He just stayed out of controversy. And even when he was asked in Ebony, oh, what do you think about Obama versus Clinton? What did he say? Which I think, you know, I think it was a, a right for him to do, but he still did it to get out of controversy. He said, we grew up not putting man before God and you know, yeah. not voting and all of that. That's an easy way to get out of all of that. Yeah. <laughs> but privately, he talked about that stuff, but publicly forget about it so he did put some of it in his music but it was when he was most struggling so he has to be able to struggle again because invincible as much as i love that album it had not one political track on it yeah and i was like what what happened so even thriller 
you can look at Thriller having want to be starting something or something to that effect or you know, Beat It had you know, minor political themes on it. And of course you had Dangerous, Bad had political themes on it, but Dangerous in History, that was the pinnacle of his political thought on album. And then you had, I guess you could say History in the Mix had some of that, but Invincible had no political tracks on it. I don't know why that's the case. But well, it also could be he was really done with that album. Like he didn't want to release that anyway. He kind of had to, and I, <laughs> he probably did a chaos in this order spin. You know, like oh, here's some tracks I was working on. <laughs> you know. See, but if he did a chaos in this order album, I think it would have been another history. Yeah, he could have made an, an impact. But I mean, I feel like the track. I remember reading about just them changing. I feel like in one of the editions, We've Had Enough was on the album. Or am I mistaken? Of Invincible? It, yeah. Because they, they added that to the Ultimate Collection. That was not on Invincible at all. Right. Well, I remember there was another song or a couple of songs that were originally supposed to be on Invincible that were shelved. That was one of the songs recorded for the Invincible Sessions and was shelved, but it was not okay. on Invincible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. And Escape was another one bars so, oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah we've had enough would have been a perfect closer to the album i like threatened i know you don't but i, I love threatened what you talking okay, about okay so what's the song you don't like i'm sorry privacy oh, that's the, that's the, <laughs> sorry i'm so sorry, sorry. you like you better get off this like right, no, i love threatened that is my jam i'm so sorry <laughs> i'm so sorry no it's all good Look, don't it was a- one of them. You were right. It ain't no privacy. I, I can go with that one. Yo, I can go don't that get one. Michael Jackson fan mad. This is that, that's the uh, the captain. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all love. L O V E. But yeah, I think even though Threaten was to me a perfect closer because it rounded out the book of Invincible, uh, I still think We've Had Enough would have been a far superior track to end on because. He was already open that this was probably going to be his last album. And to close it out with that kind of message would have sealed the deal. And if you take out 2000 watts, so you put you could have put threatened and then we've had enough or something or uh, put threatened in the place of 2000 watts, something like that. But the fact that it had no political message, that was the first thing I noticed listening to the album. I mean, cry, you could say it's political, but no. And that's R. Kelly, so I don't care about the song. But Michael not having these messages, and if someone were to ask him about Harvey Weinstein today, I don't know if he would say no comment. I think he would say something very general and very guarded, like, I care about the children. If any children were harmed or if any person was harmed or abused, justice needs to be served. I think that would be his general response to it. He wouldn't say, I think Harvey Weinstein's guilty. I think R. Kelly's guilty. I think Russell Simmons. Like he, wouldn't, he wouldn't put out any names. He would just go, uh, justice needs to be served if any of those people did anything. That's my impression, given how he spoke when he was here. <laughs> certainly, certainly. <laughs> so we have, <sighs> we have the interview that... Okra did with Lisa Marie Presley. I know people hate that interview. I've seen portions of it. 
what I have seen, I don't think she attacked Michael on the level people say she attacked him. Again, I didn't see the whole thing. I think she was set up, though, given Okra's history about exploiting situations. Do people not think she set up those questions to put Lisa Marie in a position where she had to answer the way she did? We have to think about that. Because Lisa Marie has defended Michael. It's it's like Maite Garcia. People were saying, her book, she attacked Prince. And it's like, she's not supposed to have a voice. She was married to him. Just like Lisa Marie was married to Michael Jackson. She's supposed to say, oh, he was perfect every single day. They fought. She's not supposed to talk about that. Hello? So... So for her to not put Michael in the greatest of light, it's realistic. They were married. People get married. It's not sunshine, roses, puppies, and kittens every day. So what do you expect her to say? However, I do think Okra set up the situation to put Lisa Marie in a corner where she might have felt like she had no choice but to answer it in the particular way she answered. You saw the interview, so what do you think about that? Absolutely. You just said it right there. I mean, Oprah definitely wielded the questions to her exploitive nature. I mean, she always said, Joe, well, do you think that there was possibly something that he did? Like, you know, did you have a suspicion? She was oh. <laughs> she was clearly edging. OK. And so looking back at that interview, I remember at first being sort of dissatisfied with Lisa Marie Presley. To some degree, or at least she had two interviews. The first one was um, definitely way more exploitive, and I didn't really appreciate it so much. But then the second interview, I looked back at it, and I was like, oh, well, you know what? She's she's honestly just sharing her experience. And like you mentioned with Mike Day, you know, like, these were people they were with. They have a film. They have a side, too. We just can't Oh, she's lying. You know how Michael was married to him? Like, he was demanding and she spoke of that just the same way might they did with Prince, you know, Oh well, you know, he blah, blah, blah. He was like this. And it's not necessarily that they would, you know, talk shit. They obviously respected the whole experience as a whole. And I can see with Lisa Marie Presley, she definitely still loves him, you know, right. like, oh, she's thankful she had that experience with him, you know. And instead of it being that Oprah tried to gain, you know, what made their relationship Obviously, you're going to address some of the conflict, but you're not going to linger on it. And she lingered on it with Lisa Marie Presley. And then she obviously mentioned the, oh, what are you, did you have a suspicion? You know, did you think, did you say, like, it's like almost always going back to that being the bait. Mm. It was always the bait of the subject. Anybody she talked to, you know, and that just tells me why is she so, like, interested in defaming him and making him just, like, the person that he is not. So, um, yeah, I did not, I don't like the fact that Oprah found a way to do that every single time, mm -hmm. especially in that interview. I do wonder about that because people are saying it's a Weinstein connection. And I think at this point it is, but she didn't always publicly hang out with Harvey Weinstein when she was doing those interviews. So what exactly did she have out from Michael Jackson to not do the research on that level and insinuate he did something. What was it in her mind? Was it her connection to her own assault and her rape? Uh, and she's just, I, I don't know, because does she do this with other people? Does she have issues with African men? 
based on her her experiences, I don't know what purpose it's serving her to have Michael Jackson be a particular target in this case when it comes to this. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't think she will ever answer (laughs) publicly, (laughs) but she might say something like, well, I'm doing this for all the people who have been abused. And I, I I really don't think that's the case because if she was really speaking out for people who were abused, she would have the whole episode about resources people can go to instead of interviewing the people who are clearly lying have committed perjury so this is not about protecting children or finding resources for people who have experienced it yeah completely this is a way to just soil the whole experience and then i think about what she did to monique that's another woman i want to give props what to did she monique what she do well she well she put her Monique's family on on that show, and Monique did not want to see her. Remember that? No. What? That's a whole new conversation. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What happened? It was a big deal. I mean, she basically exploited Monique's situation, much like she exploited, you know, Michael's. so it says the whole field. Let's see. So it was basically Monique. I want to get it correctly. So she said that Oprah and Monique were friends at the time. They both openly were. They were both open about being sexually assaulted by family members. Monique even thanked Oprah in her Oscar acceptance speech. According to Monique, Oprah called her one day and said, I got a phone call from your brother, the brother that molested you, Gerald. He wants to know if he can come on the show. And before I agree to him coming on the show, I need to call you up to get your approval. Oprah then said she'd like for Mo to appear on the show, but Mo declined. I said he couldn't be changed. Everyone's allowed to change, but I don't want no parts of that. That's what Monique told Oprah. Mm. She and Oprah had a private conversation about Monique's mother and how bad their relationship was at the time. Monique said, I shared with Oprah Winfrey that me and my mother were not on good terms. But apparently Oprah never mentioned that Monique's mother and father were going to be on the Oprah show, along with Mo's brother. So Oprah didn't mention that to Monique. Monique said if she knew her mother was going to be on the show, she never would have approved. Had Oprah Winfrey said to me, I have your mother, I would have said, shut that shit down because I don't want the world seeing my mother being so greedy over money that she's willing to do anything to go on your show. Monique was shocked when she saw the show. And after it aired, Oprah called Monique, who now admits that she was originally caught up in the celebrity of Oprah Winfrey and didn't fully express how she felt. She just said, can you believe it? And then your dad, I didn't check it. When she hung up, Monique felt bad about not telling Oprah how she felt, so she promised herself the next time she saw Oprah, she was going to have the conversation with her, no matter what it was. Sister, what you did, you had a crucial part in the disembarkment of my family. So Oprah and Monique had another conversation where Oprah said, I did not know that your parents were going to be on the show. Let me check into it, and I'll get back to y'all. Oprah never called back. Mm. She said she saw that. So she saw at the Oscar party and um, she uh, she looked. She, she So she basically called her out. She said, sister, you and I have to have a conversation. Mo then told Oprah still in front of everyone that she felt betrayed by someone she looked to. She looked up to as a little girl. She was extremely upset. Um, Oprah replied, if you think something I did to offend you, I want to apologize. <laughs> anyway, you can read it, it. It just goes on and on. But. 
the point I'm making is it's clear that Oprah is in the exploitation business. She can do it to Michael Jackson. She did it to Whitney Houston. She's done it to Monique. So, I mean, wow. These are things that have been clearly left behind for us to see. Clearly. So. Well, it amazes me that people still <laughs> did not grasp the history of Oprah Winfrey. And they're like, I thought she was his friend. Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> Where's getting that? Where do from? you see that from? <laughs> See, and this is when I wish, I kind of wish Michael offered a shade to her. Because he never really, I think he was, you know, he's being respectful. I mean, he clearly had a problem with her. Because he never did anything back with her again. And when she turned on him, I'm sure that's when he was just like, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's what you were about. Okay. So he just decided not to say anything, but he should have had a shade throw at her. <laughs> Like that shade he gave Diane Sawyer all throughout that interview. Right. That for Oprah. But no. Okay. No. I'm gonna protect my sister. She ain't your <laughs> sister, man. She don't want nothing to do with you. She just want to use you. And to some way, she did. Mm-hmm. Like that, the damage is permanently done. But I think people just need to just give up the ghost on Oprah being this woman of. They make her so much bigger than what she really is. They make her just this elite, like a part of the untouchables. Her history speaks for itself. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does. So I'm just hoping that, because I'm not watching this documentary. No. I have any intention on watching it because I already, it will just make me angry. And it will also, because I've done the research. And this is when we encourage you guys, like we said last episode, stay informed and make wise decisions or something like that. <laughs> it's the truth. The, the, uh, she did the interview with family members. So there were several instances where she was involved. Yeah, it would be. They were just going to do highlights. So she interviewed Prince Paris and Biggie or Blanket, as he was known at the time. I've never heard Blanket talk. I've heard him say one thing. I don't know. I I feel like he stays out of it more than anyone else. I think he's a good yeah. And then, uh, did she interview Joe? I know she interviewed Catherine. I don't think she did. I started okay. to say Joe, but I don't think she did, actually. Okay. So you saw that interview? I didn't see it, so I I can't. saw all of them, yeah. And I mean, all of And I don't even remember. I didn't watch a lot of those till first time I saw him I mean so I don't remember all of them like verbatim like the moments of cringe rather I know that it was cringy because again Oprah's Oprah it, she cast the net every mm-hmm. single time so basically anytime you you kind of and she makes it obvious she the transitions into the, like the exploitive avenue is very easy to see and that's what makes it annoying because it's like you can just see her fishing she fishing just ready just to be like, so, what did you, you know, and just not empathizing at all, but appearing to be empathetic because mm-hmm. she's like, oh, she, she gives all of the, oh, and wow, wow. And then the facial expressions, you know, but it's so clear she has an agenda, so. So, uh, uh, um, first, how was your relationship with your father? 
Um, did, uh, you know, was it positive? I, I don't, I don't know what kind of questions she would ask, but hey, the fact that they even had those kids on there, that's a huge problem for me. Like, they still haven't had a proper chance to breathe. They were thrust out in the, in, in the, the public so quickly. I know. Like, made sure throughout their lives to protect them from all of those elements he was exposed to and then the second he was gone they said okay there you go like go out into the wild (laughs) what (laughs) what's going on here and then okra winfrey of all people it's like okay (laughs) so it's it's amazing that they didn't even have the forthright to think about that they just threw those kids out there because it's like well let's just do it (laughs) why not so I, I just amazing to me that someone who was as private as Michael Jackson, <laughs> you would want to just say, okay, his kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other thing I wanted to say from before <laughs> is the fact that his business was out there in the trial to say, oh, Michael Jackson, was, he was so clean. He was so pure i'm gonna keep saying this because i said this in the last podcast i think the fact that his life was put out there in public at this point for people to see to this day that guy was not pure he was not <laughs> innocent and i'm not even talking about it, the, the case he was not innocent like people want to maintain <laughs> dude had dirt on him and it was exposed in that trial and i think that was one of his biggest fears of having that aspect of his life being exposed. I think he was confident that he was going to be proven not guilty, but I think his biggest worry was being exposed and having the fans know how he actually lived because he wanted to produce a certain persona that, you know, Oh, you know, I make music for the kids and you know, I'm clean and all of this. The dude had a drug dependency, which he acknowledged, but he didn't want to publicly acknowledge how dependent he was on those drugs, leading into an addiction, you might say. And he didn't want people knowing that he watched and read porn. He didn't want people to know all of that, that he drank alcohol. So I think that was one of the biggest fears he had going into the trial. Again, I think the fact that 2005 was the second trial, I think that magnified the fear. But a lot of the fear, I think, was his life being exposed to the public, particularly to the fans. But it was clear the fans didn't even care. Their, their minds were like, he's he's clean. He's they weren't even paying attention. So I don't think he had anything to worry about on that end. I don't think he lost fans because he read porn. <laughs> but... Um, of course not. I mean, that's not an uncommon thing. It's not like it was. I mean, porn is porn. It's, you know. That's, well, I mean, a lot of decent. the fans were like, "Oh, he's so clean. You know, he doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't even drink yeah, out swear." And so the fact that he was exposed for watching porn, I think he did, in my mind, have a fear that that type of exposure would have him lose a a huge portion of his fan base. And I don't think his fan base even cared about that. They were just concerned that he wouldn't go to prison. That was a bigger concern. (laughs) 
<laughs> than whether or not he watched porn. But I think he had all kinds of things coming at him, and he was just fearful of the whole thing. And I think it just killed him. It killed him. And so people like Oprah Winfrey, who was <laughs> just like, well, did he do it? And it's clear she did not read any of the documents. She didn't do any of that. That's clear to me. If she did and still maintains that, that's a other issue. But I really don't think she read any of the affidavits. I don't think she read any police reports. I don't think she read the FBI files. I don't think she read the transcripts. She's just maintaining. Yeah, I still think in some capacity he did something. In my mind, I think he did something. She's not coming out and saying that because <laughs> she doesn't want to get attacked by Michael fans. But I think she's still insinuating he did it by doing these types of interviews, by asking people those questions, people like Lisa Marie, uh-huh. uh, even at 2009. She's still asking these questions. So it's clear she did not do her homework on that end because in her heart, in her mind, she believes he did something. So reading any type of documentation is not going to do anything for her. So she doesn't do it. And <laughs> Then she did the interview with Janet Jackson. I didn't see that. How did that one go? Again, I don't remember these interviews specifically, but I remember it's been I I, I kind of feel like I should have watched them, but it would have probably annoyed me. So <laughs> but I don't I don't I can't have a pinpointed scenario where she um I mean but there's I know she mentioned the 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 whole situation with her at the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, and of course it, it was not done in the. She could have went around it better, but. Um, Janet, I mean, uh, Oprah, uh, what's done is done. I have a new tour now. You know, I uh-huh. I have an album. I'm married. Can we please not talk about this, Oprah? I I'm done with that. I'm done. What's done is done. I apologize for it. I don't know why you asked me that. Next question. Out. <laughs> <My head. laughs> Janet is a little bit more tactful when it comes to those kind of questions. She will say, she will look at you or say next question or something. She doesn't have as canned responses as her brother did. <laughs> She's still funny with the interviews. She's like, you can just read my book. <laughs> Next question. Exactly. <laughs> and then Michael will have some kind of answer that will go around the question and then go, well, it's in my book. So, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's a way of getting out of it. <laughs> so I want to read this thing about Wade Robson. Still, there's not a lot of information on James Safechuck. One thing that is known is that he also tried to work in film and it didn't work out for him. He claims that Michael Jackson told him that he wasn't cut out for it, something to that effect. So he went to college, pursued some things, and now all of this is coming back. What they both said was, and it's disturbing the fact that they both said this, that they had a child, and the way that James Safechuck said it was actually more disturbing than 
how Wade Robson said it. So they both had children. Wade Robson said, well, I was just, you know, bringing in my mind and it brought all of this stuff back. And I just imagined my child being molested. It's like, oh, and then he said his wife uh, said, okay, we have our son. Is that going to affect your relationship with your son and everything? And I don't know if that was asked or not. That's what he said. I don't know. I cannot confirm that because it's coming from his mouth. But James Safechuck straight up said, which makes me think that he has touched other kids because how he said it was when my son was born, my child was born, I, I'm paraphrasing. He said, you know, I felt scared that of the potentiality of me doing that to my child. Wow. Yeah, I need to find this quote. So it makes me think that something happened where he actually did do this to other kids. And his son was born, and now he's saying, I really need to talk about this because I don't want to do this to my kid. I got to find this quote. Oh, my goodness. So uh, uh, Wade Robson... Is that's one thing which is creepy, the fact that he even thought about that happening to his kid and not being like, yo, if that happened to my kid, I'm going to go be somebody at, you know, like he didn't say it that way. He was just like, oh, I imagine that happening to my kid and, and all these memories came coming back, came flashing back, which is really creepy. But the way that James Safechuck said it was even creepier that uh, like. Just imagine doing that to my... It was just like, okay, so did nobody catch that? (laughs) Because uh, is he implying that this is something he's done before? Again, I don't know. I don't know that. Also, the fact that both of them in adulthood, years later, are saying he did something that you didn't know at the time... Most kids, as far as I know, who have talked about their abuse, know that what was happening to them was bad, or at least weird. They even know someone has coerced you, that it's a good thing. Something in your mind is telling you, I don't know if I feel right about this, especially if it's abuse. Now, if someone is a teacher and they're coercing you or whatever, there was actually this case of this 27-year-old teacher that just happened. And she was having sex with this 13-year-old kid. He was in the sixth grade. So people were saying, well, did he get left behind? Because 13-year-old is seventh grade. So it's possible. And so she was telling him, uh, texting him that he had a big penis and all of this stuff. And just flirting with him. And eventually, you know, they were doing oral And then eventually actually had intercourse in her car. And then they would do stuff in the back of the classroom. They told another classmate, which was a friend of the kids, to stand and watch. Watch so nobody else is looking. Eventually the friend was like, I can't do this. I don't feel right about it. He reported it. That's how she got found out. But the kid didn't necessarily feel right about it either. He was like, so uh, kids know when something is not right. They know. So for these kids, James Safechuck, who are now adults, James Safechuck and Wade Robson to be like, 
well, I didn't know at the time. And just how they tell the story is something very fishy about it. And so, no, I, I'm not going to generalize all kids and say all kids know. But kids know when something is weird. They may not know what's wrong. But you're trying to tell me that an adult is telling you not to tell anybody. And you're like, okay, that's cool. Hey, uh, it's something fishy about that. And then after you have a kid, that's when you think is wrong? Like, you're in your 20s or whatever, and you didn't think, oh, I had this thing with Michael Jackson. That was probably a wrong thing to do. Before you had kids, you didn't think it was wrong? That, that It doesn't make sense to me. It makes no amount of sense. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a couple of kids out there who like, yeah, it was so much fun. But even Mary Kay Letourneau, who abused that kid, and eventually they got a divorce. But they had, what, two kids together or something like that? No. Hmm. She she abused that kid and coerced him. And, uh, and he did an interview. He was just like, yeah, that's not right. So, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I haven't heard any kids say, yeah, that was right that happened. I'll just put it that way. I'm sure there is a kid out there who's just like, yeah, it was great. It was wonderful. I didn't feel coerced at all, but I have not heard that story. And somebody as prominent as Michael Jackson doing that to some kids, uh, and you're in your 20s, and you're doing all these tributes to Michael Jackson, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. A-OK. And then once you have a kid, you're like, huh. Hmm. Did you my kid getting molested? Oh, 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 this thing happened to me. It, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You are on trial on this first witness for the defense. I read the transcript. It is graphic. It's graphic. And Wade Robson is trying to tell me none of that came back. You're clearly posing, clearly, and that's this. This is why I am hopeful that people don't even give it the energy. Really, those that know, give it the energy so that you can be misinformed. Or those that don't know, give it the energy so that you can be informed. Mm -hmm. Those that don't know, it's like I'm not going to even waste my time gaining any amount of frustration about this experience because nothing I can do about it from happening. And, you know, mm. it's just one of those moments where the truth went out for those that, that's the thing with the truth. You gotta, as naked as it stands and as, you know, unadulterated as it is, it's not going out of its way to prove anything. It just is. You gotta do it, though. <laughs> you are in the driver's seat. You got to say, you know what, let me see. Yeah. And it ain't going to come to you. You got to come to it, and, and so to speak. And if you're really following along, you can clearly see, oh, this is just nonsense. It's nothing to really. It's, uh, to, I got to find that quote. I, I will put it in the description if I find it. But I want to say this because <laughs> Wade Robson, at the end of this documentary, if you will, he burns a secret glove in the thriller jacket at the end of the movie. 
So all of these years, and I think he also burned the bad books that he was given. Because he talks about, oh, yeah, Michael gave me, when I was seven years old or whatever, gave me the bad gloves. All these years you had that. You yeah. had that stuff, right? And how do we know that's not a copy? Right. So so Dan Reed, the director of this movie, said, nope, uh, those were the real deal. I, I suggest those are the real deal. Uh, the evidence, the photographic evidence suggests it's the real deal. And um, fake or not, if this person did this insidious thing to you, why would you for all of these years hold this material if your intent was not to make money off of it? If Why are you holding memories of a person who did this horrible thing to you? While if actively harboring opportunities them. to work for the estate, while also trying to include yourself and say, oh, I want to do this, or can I be a part of the tour, or can I... Like, it's just an unparalleled here. I mean, he made himself available to the estate mm-hmm. for service. He wanted to be continually on that wave. Like, yeah, I knew Michael, Michael, Michael. Yeah, Michael, he was a good guy. He, Oh, we should think of Michael. And you were following this pipe dream. You literally allowed that to just distort your reality. And then you became exploitive. In the process, because you want to get what you deserve, you 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 look at. I mean, again, I'm not here to deny that maybe something happened to both of them as a child, mm-hmm. and they're rearranging it to fit the easily cash in aspect of, you know, using it right now for HBO and making a documentary out of it. It's so easy, and I know they got paid for this. You know they got paid for it. Even though they said no, because they were interviewed at Sundance and somebody asked that question. And it's funny because <laughs> James Safechuck, he answered a little bit more strategically. He's like, well, no, this and that. And then Wade Robson's stuttering. He's like, well, yeah. And then here's the other aspect of it. Wade Robson attempted to sell a bunch of items to Julian's. Yes, I was going to mention that. In 2011. Yeah. And so Julian. So this is what I'm talking about. Right. How do we know this is? I mean, I'm more than sure that this glove he burned was not real. I am more than sure it's not because <laughs> his whole career after Michael passed away, or even his just his existence, you know. So you have this history of Michael. Michael's your friend. You've you've you know experience all these wonderful aspects of your life because of Michael Jackson directly. Then Michael Jackson dies and you still have some of the remnants of it. And you already know what people were saying and all the manipulation. You take the initiative two years afterwards. I'm, I'm more, I reckon not even that long. <laughs> I mean, if it's true that he got all of this stuff, which it does seem over the years, Michael was generous with a lot of people and he gave him all of this stuff. You don't think he was using that as collateral? Hell yeah, he was. <laughs> because everyone was. When Michael died, any artifact, I had remember seeing people buying, I mean, the most random, his wigs for 5K. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. you mean to tell me if you have a glove, you ain't going to at least get 10 grand out of it? Even more? <laughs> Come on. Of course. <laughs> so don't act like this is a, oh, and so now to be the the, the most, give it the ribbon 
you know, and to just take a bow, you just, okay, let me burn it at the end. Ah, ah. I got to wonder if somebody is actually wearing that Michael Jackson lace front right now. Somebody's literally <laughs> wearing it right now. I, I just want to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I just want to know. Are, are they keeping it on a, on a head? Like, what are they doing with it? Yeah, what are they doing with it? It must be like. Michael Jackson's wig for that much money. And that's human hair, too. That's yeah. not synthetic. So if you pay that, I'm I'm wearing that. If I bought that, I'm wearing the Michael Jackson wig. I'm wearing that every day. I'm taking off the washing hair like every other day. I'm gonna put it back on. Like what's up? For <laughs> <laughs> some oh. lace. You know I, mean? I don't care what nobody say. I don't care. This lace front staying on my head. Right. I need money for this. I pay good money for this. They probably put it in a uh, dresser, a china drawer or something. Uh, safe. Uh, no, I'm wearing it every day. If I bought something for that much money, I, I'm buying the glove. I'm wearing it every day. What? 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 <laughs> well, not maybe not the glove, but the hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even like wigs. I don't wear no wigs or anything. But if I bought a Michael Jackson wig, I'm wearing that every day. <laughs> but it says that Julian's options, they responded to some questions. And they said, Wade co-signed his collection to us directly. He was the person who we paid when we sold his collection. He needed the money. So they totally, they exposing this dude. They, they're like, what? We don't have anything to lose here. <laughs> they said, we, Wade asked to remain anonymous and said that he did not want anyone to know it was him selling the exactly. item. Exactly. But we did not agree to that and listed it as the Wade Robson collection. He yeah, I mean, see, this is what I'm. This is exploitation, <laughs> right? And so you, you want to, you want us to believe that all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden. So now the money run out because let's say I don't even know how much he made from this, but I'm sure it was a pretty penny. Because again, it's the same, and I'm gonna say this for anyone who's famous, especially Michael Jackson. I mean, Michael Jackson again. It's needed for clarification's sake. In 2006, he was rewarded by the Guinness World Records as the world's most famous man. <laughs> Everybody knew Michael. His name could just light up. Uh, he didn't have to say anything. Mm -hmm. To have a sign-off, to have a picture, you could get, you people would pick, I don't know what kind of, that's the kind of level he was on. So he made a lot of money. But let's say, you know, this money he made, he wasn't wise with it. He's spending on this, spending on that, thinking he's the baddest thing of the planet. And now you don't got no money. So you go to the only thing you've had. Mm -hmm. I, can make a, I wish I was one of the Michael's lawyers on this case. I would shred him to pieces. <laughs> like, man, you go on the last thing you have, your only identity, really. I mean, in so, in so many ways, Michael, you know, these kids who, outside of those that actually took advantage of they're, you know, like Macaulay Culkin, he's doing something of his own. And there are a couple other people that actually seem to be doing something and not using Michael as a means of exploitation for their own profit. There are a lot of people. I can name people in any fan group, including Prince, mm -hmm. that does that. It's like, oh, well, you exaggerate a moment you had with him and then you make that moment your identity. Right. And then you sell. <laughs> <laughs> you make it a profit. <laughs> like, Wow. <laughs> no, they said, they said he was the person we paid when he sold his collection. 
he needed the money. Wade asked to remain anonymous and said that he did not want anyone to know it was him selling it. I think I said Of that. course. And the reason why <laughs> is because then people would be like, well, why are you selling it? Right. Why but, don't you burn it? Why don't you, why didn't you burn it? Burn instead it like of selling it, instead of saying, oh, well, why did you burn? Why didn't you? Man, this is oh come on man. It's like he he, he co-signed multiple items and wanted us to sell all items <laughs> that had value. It, it says they sold two items that uh, Wade Robson provided them: a pair of black spandex fingerless forearm gloves from Bad and a fedora from Smooth Criminal. And the fedora sold for forty-nine thousand nine hundred dollars. <laughs> Listen. $31,250. What was $31,000 and $49,000? Wait, what are the numbers? $49,920 for the, for the hat. That's the like $50. What'd you do with that money, Wade Robson? $81,000. Now, let me tell you how this motherfucker is. Whoop, I'm calling him my, my motherfucker. You know I'm going off now. <laughs> but this dude is like, come on. You had $81,000. And he sold his house recently. And you sold your house. So you you really want to be a big shot. He's the type of, oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh -huh, I sold this. Like, you $81,000, dude. I, you know, this is kind of off the topic, but I'm going to mention it anyway. I was watching an interview with um, Offset from um, the Migos. Oh, about that guy. I don't know much about him, but... I don't know much about him either. That's why I watched the interview, just to get a vibe. I know you don't usually know anything. They ain't saying nothing really of value, but it was still interesting to hear, you know, because he was from the South. He made a lot of money. He grew up very poor, but mm -hmm. to still have the mentality, and I think I'm hopeful that he's going to get out of this framework because he was just saying, oh, I'm, I'm just trying to make this money, trying to make this money, even though he was also contradicting that because he's making a lot of money and he has a lot of property. So why is your goal just make more money, make more money, make more money? Oh, I want to make more money. Okay, you're a millionaire. That's more than most people in the room. That's more than everyone in your the concerts you're likely going to. That that people are going to your concerts. You have more money than all of them. Mm -hmm. And you trying to make more? That means you're not a good steward. That means you don't take care of it's like Floyd Mayweather. You know these exuberant, extravagant ways of living. For what reason? And if you can't take care of yourself after eighty-one thousand. And you sell your house and you want us to believe that you ain't getting no, you weren't getting no money. That's why you stuttering when you say, well, what did you make some money off of this? You know, like, man. So let's connect the dots. 2011 was the Cirque du Soleil tribute from Michael Jackson. Uh -huh. he, didn't, he didn't get involved with that because he wanted to be the director and the state was like, uh, no. So that's the same year he sold the items for Julian's. So you got to uh, make these connections. <laughs> make these connections. Oh, how convenient. So the estate denies you your dream. So you're like, man, because if he got that from the estate, he would have really been paid consistently. Mm -hmm. And it would have been more than enough for anything. But nope, they said, nah, we ain't going to use you. So you're personally, so now you're mad. And I'm sure he, I mean, oh, it's too. So he said, 
that's just it's just completely inaccurate. I was hired three times for that show because it kept taking different iterations. And the third time is just preceding my second nervous breakdown. I was in between nervous breakdowns. So the third time is I was crumbling, falling apart. I removed myself from the project. The accusation is completely false. That's what he says to Vanity Fair. But then when he works on all these projects, that one movie that he was going to direct, and he just felt so much pressure, and he wrote on his blog, I disappointed Michael. It was just so much pressure. I couldn't take it. And then he says he couldn't bring himself to dance because of the trauma associated with the sexual abuse he allegedly faced. This from Oxygen. If I started dancing, there's Michael in my body. That was the feeling. So I stopped all of it for five years. I didn't dance for five years. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, Never right. I would ever again in my life. <laughs> I mean, can you be more clear in your <laughs> lying? Like, it's so obvious that he's just like, let me milk this. Let me milk it. Because he had nothing to lose. And... Something probably happened to him mm-hmm. where, you know, and then he's like doubting the thing. He's he probably it's so much going on on a psychological level. But I think the heart of it is just is dark because he mm-hmm. just wants money, because if you were really concerned, <laughs> like if you really were concerned about the effects of this abuse you've inflicted from Michael, then you would do more than make a documentary about it. So he married his wife, Amanda, in 2005, the same year as the trial. And he says that he had a wonderful relationship with Michael two months, two months after. Oh, he said two months after uh, Michael passed, he said he had a wonderful relationship with Michael. We got to make the connections here. In 2013, he's like, oh, I was abused by Michael Jackson. Like, what's going on here? (laughs) <laughs> Come on. From the ages of 7 to 14. Do you try to tell me that the ages of 7 to 14, people who get coerced still understand there's something really weird about this situation. People who get coerced are not like, this is great. Like People understand inherently that coercion is a strange situation you're involved in. Even at first. You're using your intuition going, something's not right about this. But in the coercion process, you fall into it and go, okay, you know, I'm just settling in because I have a choice right now or I'll be even more abused if I say anything. Like there's different reasons why people stay in particular situations. But in many cases, people who have been interviewed about abuse, they will tell you something was off. I knew something was off but I didn't have anywhere else to go or I loved him. So I stayed or whatever it is. Like kids all the time are like, something was really off about this situation. Like something told me not to go, but I did. Or so, so Wade Robson and James Savechuck are trying to tell me, they're trying to tell you, they're trying to tell the public that everything was a okay from the ages of seven to 14 or whatever. And somehow I'm 36 right now, and it just clicked a few years ago that what he was doing was wrong. How does that sound? It doesn't make sense to me. And no, there is no one way to respond to abuse. But the patterns, <laughs> the patterns match someone who is fabricating. 
someone yes. who wanted to work in film, who wanted to direct, who wanted to create these magnificent scenarios. This is what it matches. It the matches. patterns don't lie. So they follow an algorithm of numerical evidence. <laughs> you can't lie about this. This is nothing to be, you know, this is not a, I mean, again, Michael being as, as known as he was, why is it just him? Why is it just him and Fake Chuck? Those two, that's it. Yes. Not all the millions and thousands of people Michael knew throughout his career. And then, again, the responsibility to this. Instead of acting as if, I mean, this is not a new thing. Mm-hmm. But it's so interesting how they're making it like, you know, it took all these years for you to suddenly wake up to the idea that this happened to you. And then you take moments that involved your own children in sexual mm. contexts. Like, there's another, there's something else at play. And it's exploitive. Mm-hmm. It's not, it shouldn't, I mean, it's, it's totally just a, and it's centered around the people who are already, and see, they, this is their last shot. Right. It's the last arrow. I mean, in a way, here you go, you know, this is the 10th year. Everything is kind of recurring. This is like the, this is the last, they can't really do much from this. We'll try, yeah, but... and how much more are you going to milk it it's I, I agree with you this is their last shot it's, it's you know they're not getting money from the estate uh, particularly Robson um, the case got thrown out they tried to forge a lawsuit other people have tried to forge lawsuits that got thrown out uh, they have this film so it is their last resort they may be taking other measures. I don't know. There may be other items that are being withheld that he can sell. But yeah, uh, I mean, leave. I mean, he's what an easy way of getting out of something. Because most know, people, you know, what both of them could have done, like many other creators, get a GoFundMe to say, hey. I work with Michael Jackson fandom. You know who I am. I'm trying to make a movie. Do y'all want to help me out? That's He could have just went that route. And people would have helped him. Because like, oh, yeah, we remember you. You were in the Pepsi commercial. You want to make a movie? Oh, that's great. They could have done that. And they might have been successful in that way. But no. They had to weave a tangled web of deception. It's amazing how people throw <laughs> think that they're going to get yes. caught out there. I know. Just by default. I think people are not <laughs> naive. But, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we haven't seen a lot with Safe Chuck. It's, it's, that's why I think in a funny way that Wade Robson co- may have coerced James Safe Chuck into this. Yeah, I think so. I have on it. James Safe Chuck kind of in the corner saying, and then he kept quiet because people were like, dude, no. But then Wade Robson was like, yo, there's that dude that was saying stuff before. I'm going to get him. He's going to be on my side. I really think that uh, something tells me that James Safe Chuck is not comfortable with it. You know, this is me speaking from my rational brain, I suppose. <laughs> my. My, my logical brain are trying to put pieces together about the possibilities 
of all of this. Why would James Safechuck do this? Because you don't see him doing a lot of interviews. It's Wade Robson doing the bulk of the interviews about this issue. Uh, yeah, he did an interview with Sundance. and I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. If there's a crack in the flow and what happens to be is that we see there are emails or some sort of evidence that suggests that that's what happened. And he was coerced in doing it, or we can just see that they 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 were messy because they I, I can just see that being a possibility. They mm-hmm. didn't clear all of their tracks, and then new evidence suggests that actually it was staged, and they were talking about the amounts they were gonna make from it. Yeah, that, that would be a good way justice can really serve itself. But I mean, it don't matter what they're gonna try to do. <laughs> so, what do you think at this point? would be a proper vindication of Michael's legacy. I think his legacy is sealed already. I don't think it's going to be harmed in any way. Like, given this subject, given the sensitive issue of child abuse, uh, child sexual abuse, exploitation, uh, trafficking, all of these things, in terms of Michael's legacy in relation to his own trauma, re- relation to children in his life in relation to all of this do you think this is what he's going to be known as in future generations or how is his legacy going to be sealed again it cannot be damaged to us right yeah generations because this is who's watching this how can he be vindicated in some way i mean that's a very complex question because in a way you know, it's different for us, like you said. I mean, we have a closer relationship with it. And for the person watching it for the first time or for the person who's not really sure, they might, depending on, hopefully they're rational enough to understand the uh, intentions behind a lot of films like this, you know, and really go beyond the feeling and the emotional appeal because they're using a lot of emotion, a lot of triggers, a lot of graphic detail. Those three things alone are enough to cause all kinds of sensations. And I wonder if they even had a trigger warning before they started it. Good question. Very good. If they did, that would be interesting. Because, I mean, I could see them doing that also to protect themselves. But anyway, it will be interesting if they did or not. But I still think the viewer watching it would have to at least be open enough. Much like with the Jesse case from Empire. You know, Mm -hmm. if something is reported... And it don't sound right and you follow along. I mean, ultimately, it goes back to attention. Like, what's the attention span? Like, if you care enough, you're going to be invested. And to Michael's advantage, I think more people are of, are aware of his innocence. More people are like, oh, he didn't do it. They're just blah, blah, blah. Even if it's a blanket brush off and it's not really informed, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem that the case is ultimately is this big question mark. And there never was, really. Outside mm-hmm. of the people coming for him. It's not like people, people may have joked about it, which I still don't think that also does any service to him to some degree, especially if you're just doing it to just be funny. But I still think most people don't hold, you know, they say, oh, man, Michael was fucked up. You know, he had some he he had a bad childhood, but he didn't do nothing to those kids. Right. You know, so I think that ultimately weighs stronger, even among the newer people, because I'm seeing a lot of newer people really just you know go out of their way to be like oh michael i was watching a video of a couple of young folks and they were 
trying to identify the songs from the 90s and they play remember the time and a lot of them didn't know that you know what the song was but they knew his voice they're like oh michael jackson oh we all we all yeah that's michael jackson oh he was so great and he's he's still seen overall there's always a new video showing some kid dancing to michael to thriller or you know some like it's it's amazing the way kids react to michael jackson like even my nephew like i remember obviously discovering michael the same time he was, you know, born. So he was raced on. He was listening to it alone with me, dancing and <laughs> watching all these videos. And he loved them. And he still does. Like, he just resonated with the art of it. And then when you look at him further, I mean, if anyone... And, and, and he and the great thing, here's another poetic justice in a sense. The great thing about Michael is that he captured audiences so well through his signatures. So mm-hmm. he had the sequin glove and the tape around his fingers and the armband you know these are things people undeniably see you see a fedora you think michael jackson immediately <laughs> loafers immediately it was smart it was so smart how he did that so because of that alone people resonate with the fact that yeah this dude you know if you if you watch this if if anyone were to watch that and to just they would probably already be curious about him and they'll probably do. I'm, I couldn't be. I know I'm not the only one. I mean, when I discovered Michael and I basically became just celebrated at his existence, I I know I wasn't the only one. There are a lot of people who felt the same way. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a fan, too. And I like this. And, you know, so and, and they did the work. They studied. I, they saw. And it's not like I became some ambassador, but I definitely became the person to be like, yo, Michael's Michael's the king. That's that's my dude. Like, and I'll say the king in the sense that he's, you know, but he's he he's one of my favorite artists. He's the mm-hmm. he's the top artist for me. You know, I have just like I think with Prince, Prince and MJ. You know, those two in particular, I can name a couple of deviants and their versions of that. I mean, but those two in particular, Michael and Prince, I appreciate their life and their artistry, and following their life and seeing the different challenges they had, in particular Michael. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it didn't even... I wasn't the one to be like, oh, he didn't do it when I first heard the allegations, but I just... There was something about Michael, his gift and his light, and just from a spiritual side, I was able to kind of go beyond the, the immediate suspicion. Mm-hmm. If any suspicion I had, it was like, oh, he was probably abused, which he was. <laughs> we confirmed it. I was like, oh, he probably... Is trying his best to navigate after, you know, having to deal with his life. I always thought of the variables and his isolation. And I try to imagine that amount of access and what that would do Yeah. to a person like that. And then also, because I wasn't necessarily, um, I was hit as a child briefly. Like during the time, I remember being getting whippings, but it was nothing. I remember that stopped at, after a certain point. My dad realized that it wasn't effective and he told us that he wasn't going to stop doing it and he never even whipped us that much it was mostly my grandpa who yeah. would just be like you know that belt and be like and i remember my dad even told him like don't hit it don't don't hit my children that's <laughs> nothing you like you don't have to you know talk take you know take away the playstation that definitely get my attention when you did that <laughs> well the point i'm making is like you know people michael was one of the first to talk about his abuse he was open with that and then yeah in some way people can say oh well maybe that's because he was abused too in that way but he was also 
you know, you look at him, you hear him, and you listen to him. There's no saniness. Like, I don't, he was real. I mean, he had, obviously, he, he presented himself a certain way, but he wasn't that naive. I think most people look at him, and you look at him, and you can see, you can see so many things. You can see that he's obviously hurt. You can see that he's he's gone through a lot, mm-hmm. but he seems to care about something. And he he's doing it because he cares about it, no matter how it looks. So I think that's to his advantage. Michael has there. he no one has ever said. I mean, very few people. You meet a couple of people like Sam Smith, right? He's a perfect <laughs> one. Well, I don't like. I never cared for Michael Jackson. Most people will give you at least three Michael Jackson songs, and that's that's kind of crazy when you think about it because usually. It's only like, oh, one song. Prince, for instance, Purple Rain. That's most people will say that. They won't say nothing else. Mm-hmm. You say Michael Jackson, you'll see, you'll hear Billie Jean. You might hear I Want You Back. You might hear Thriller. Regardless of if it's on the same album, like he has, he's, he's been, he's, he's cemented his legacy already. So this is just a bullet point. This is just something that, this is their last hoorah, you know, but. I don't think it'll be much of a interest to people in the future because already people are already kind of like, ah, it's trash. We're not supporting this. This is dumb. Oh, they did an interview. Oh, they did. The Jackson brothers did. I feel like those interviews are usually just canned and it's so, they just, ugh, they go, it's so dramatic sometimes how they talk about different things. So who, who was interviewed? It was Marlon. I don't think Randy was in it. I need to make sure. Wow. Marlon? Really? It was all of them. Tito, Jermaine. I don't know if Randy was in it. Cause it's kind of weird when you don't see them. Here it is. So, yeah, it's uh, Jermaine, Tito, Tage. So, it's Tage, Randy, oh, Taj. I don't know I'll call him Taj. I'm sorry. It was Taj. You're talking about one of the, the kids. Yeah, well, he's the only kid there. Taj, Jermaine, Marlon. No. Yeah, yeah. Tito. Oh, I'm curious about that. Did, yeah, did Oprah have a say so interview? <laughs> Gail? Gail, make sure to ask them the right questions. Gail? Gail, do as I tell you. Yeah, right. So, Gail who is associated with Oprah Winfrey, interviewed the Jackson family in response to this documentary. Did they respond to the Oprah interview at all? No. Yeah, not surprised. That's awful, though, you see. Well, if Gail interviewed him, they're not going to touch Oprah. Uh, of course. That was specific. That's why I was like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, why would Gail? You know, like, this is when you call her out. Mm-hmm. But they're so protective of that mirage of, oh, well, we don't talk like that against the oligarchs, but I wish they did. I just think that it'll be what it'll be on Justice, Justice Highway, because we can't really get out of the fact that people are going to make their own assumptions, but the evidence is there in Michael's legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been dead for 10 years he's transcended for 10 years this year and it's gotten stronger 
And of course, there's a lot of naivety or people just following because they glamorize the whole imagery of it, but it's strong. Michael still is unbreakable. (laughs) (laughs) The conversations around this movie that I've seen so far have been glowing. And of course, they focus on the emotional aspect, which was their goal. Yeah. The director said, I want people to be reached emotionally with the experience of watching this movie. Some people have claimed that anyone writing a review has been paid off to write a positive review. I don't have the facts on that. I can't comment. It is interesting that no one really focused on the trial. There were comments about it, but no one has mentioned that Wade Robson committed perjury. No one Right. So no one's really being objective on either side. Yeah. To be honest, either you believe Michael was correctly found not guilty or you believe that he's a child molester and nothing's going to change about that. I, I don't really see any middle ground on this issue. People who watch this Leaving Neverland, which is airing tonight and tomorrow. None of us are going to watch it. Um, (laughs) But people who are going to watch it are watching it either out of curiosity, their minds are made up, and they're watching it so they can badmouth it, or they're already uh, confirmed that they think he's a predator and this is just going to further their belief. I don't know how many people are going to say, okay, I'm looking at this with an objective viewpoint. I still don't know. So this is going to sway me one way or the other. I honestly haven't heard anyone say that. Either you believe he's a predator or you don't. Exactly. And uh, I think people are saying they're not going to watch it, but I think a lot of people are going to watch it enough to give HBO the ratings. I think that's very sad. Yeah, I think what should happen is just so people on the other side have a viewpoint about what's behind the film, money, but what the <laughs> of the film, I should say, uh, have one person delegated in the Michael camp to watch it and speak for everybody else. Hmm. So don't give them the ratings. Yeah. Delegate people. Don't just all watch it and go, oh, we hate this. This is terrible. Because now you just gave them money. You just gave them the ratings. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people saying, oh, we're going to protest the Oscars. And then they watch it or the Oscars or whatever award show. And they still watch it and complain about it. Like, don't complain about it if you're going to sit there and watch watch all four hours of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we already know. We've seen the interviews with Robson. We already know what they're going to say. They're just going to go into a little bit more graphic detail. We already understand the intention behind what they're doing. And this is according to what they've said themselves. It's according to uh, Julian's auctions exposing (laughs) what happened. He tried to to sell some items anonymously, and we don't roll like that. So, yeah, (laughs) his name is getting put out there. He tried to sell some products. He wasn't doing very well financially because he got rejected. So he had no other choice. But... Yeah, people, in my view, have already made up their minds about what they think. 
Yeah. I'm going to maintain if there is sufficient evidence that has come out that Michael's a predator, I'm going to burn all my records. I'm going to burn all my dolls. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to publicly do it and be like, yo, this is, you know, I will cover up my tattoo, whatever. Yes, I have Michael tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have four of them. Uh, and anyway, <laughs> so you see, I mean, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if there is any evidence that really has come out that is sufficient, that, you know, they said, well, we were investigating a little bit more and that's what we found, but none of that has happened. And all the people who are trying to expose Michael have been out there. There is not sufficient evidence, like there has been for R. Kelly, like there has been for White, yeah, there has been for Bill Cosby, like there has been for Russell Simmons, like there has been for right. so many people who have been exposed over the years. What's the guy at Penn State, uh, Sandusky? There's tons of evidence. The way they're trying to expose Michael Jackson is is not the same. We just need to do our due diligence and do as much homework as possible on these people. Do not worship Michael Jackson. Do not worship any celebrity. You can appreciate someone as an artist, as a person, but don't blindly believe Michael Jackson because you love him. He's not innocent because he's Michael Jackson. He's innocent because the proof is out there that there's no evidence. So with all of that being said, yes, be informed. I think fans, a lot of people don't go that far with different uh, artists, but I mean, you really kind of have to click with Michael Jackson, and and naturally doing that, you'll follow some of his life, and you'll see some of the calamities he went through, and just kind of some of the struggles. So, for anyone who is curious about Michael Jackson, I mean, obviously, it's like you said, you either believe it or you don't know, and you just want to see what they're saying. Whatever angle you come from, it just re- realize everybody has a story, and people who have you know, experiences in their lives that are enormous are often targeted because of that. You know, Michael was an easy target. And he even said that and he never wanted to sound as if he was being, you know, oh, I'm the biggest star on earth. But he was. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, he was an easy target. There are a lot of things about him. There are a lot of ways he handled things and dealt with the world. It was just different for a lot of people. So you got to accept that. You know, it just kind of puts perspective on the fact that a lot of people used him as an easy bait. But just stay informed. You read the research, you can see clearly Michael, he was traumatized. He had a hell of a life. Ultimately, though, he was doing the best he could with the situation he was given. And from what it seems, you know, we're all problematic. You know, we all have ideas that could be worked on, sharpened, None of us are perfect, but one thing I could say is that at least, you know, Michael seemed to be reaching for a goal. He had something to say about love. He had something to say about calling out these systems that oppress people. And that's something that that says something. He wasn't just this guy. I mean, on one end, yeah, he wanted to make as many, he wanted to sell as many records. He wanted to be known, but he also wasn't stupid. <laughs> so we don't got to be stupid either just out of the reaction culture so yeah people who have actually survived abuse i think it is an insult what is happening 
And this, you know, if you want to talk about the legacy of Michael Jackson, um, he was a person who was abused. Whether or not you think it was sexual, it was clear he was abused mentally and physically. Just give him that much. Respect his legacy by doing the work for people who have survived this type of abuse and do not lie about this type of abuse. These are some serious charges. Let's just honor Michael's legacy. If you think he needed some work, do do some work and honor him in that way. Honor his humanity. You may not like him as a person, but do that work for people who have actually been abused. Do that work on yourself. Do so much that will improve the situation. Money is but a tool. It is not uh, a means, shouldn't be a means to exploit people, but it is. And we see this in the case of what's happening with Wade Robson in particular. We're saying that Jane Safechuck possibly was coerced into this. We don't have the facts. It's just from our perspective. Wouldn't be surprising. It would not be surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Because if you follow the signs, you see all of this stuff. You know, we're not saying anything ridiculous, really. Yeah. Just look at the numbers. So this goes to people who are fans, appreciators, students of Michael, people who can't stand Michael, regardless of what side you're on. And even if you hate Michael and you're listening to this, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what side you're on, do some homework on whatever subject you're studying, particularly something like this. Uh, There are some people who have said, oh, this case actually helped me study uh, my being a lawyer. I was in law school and studied this case and it's helped me a lot. Do your due diligence and study. If you are invested in this subject at all, do some studying. Uh, The truth will prevail (laughs) regardless of what it is. There's always that light that's going to shine. I think Michael was a light to a lot of people's lives. And honestly, I don't think his legacy is tarnished because there are people around him who are giving some very demonic energy. And I yeah. I don't think they're going to prevail. I honestly don't. So do some massive homework if you are invested in this issue. Just don't connect emotionally what's going on. Actually do some homework. The homework is simply... <laughs> looking at yourself and just also you know the realm of possibility you have to you know put yourselves in the worlds of these people you know it just helps with context otherwise you get laid astray wherever you are in your thoughts about this situation we appreciate you for listening to us have our perspectives if you have a different perspective please let us know. We have all the contact information in the description. We would love to hear your thoughts. If you have a great defense on the opposite side, we don't know where it would be, but if you do, (laughs) (laughs) please let us know if you have any questions, uh, if you have any suggestions as to how we can improve the podcast, if you have praise, whatever it is, uh, please contact us. We appreciate you for listening. And we will be back soon. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So we're going to come back on here because we just saw this 
I don't even know what you would call it, this bit of delusion. I don't know what is going on with this family. I, I don't understand what is going on. If you want to bring justice to your uncle's legacy or your brother's legacy or whoever he is to you in relation to to blood, why are you doing the same thing as the fans? Why are you doing that? You actually know him personally and you're still putting him in this position where he's absolutely perfect. No one is perfect. No human is perfect. And this makes me think about when Prince went on there talking about how Joe did a good thing by beating his kids. Hey, he wasn't even there to see the trauma that happened. So yeah. for him to say that, for that to come out of his mouth doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you could say, I love my grandfather. I wish people would stop talking bad about it, whatever. But you come on here and you threaten people. So you got that element. And now you got Taj. Who was it? TJ. <laughs> who was TJ? So TJ makes a Twitter entry. What did it say? <laughs> well, essentially, he. Part, so. When I saw this, I didn't respond to it, but I sent it to you because I knew you would get a kick out of it as I did because I just was <laughs> like, why did he post it? So he posts this picture, right, of Jesus. Blonde hair, you know, his little girls buy him a little boy. He has a bowl <laughs> of fruit. He's smiling. Talk about Jesus here. And his quote was, and this is TJ, he says, this was my uncle Michael's hero. This is who he modeled his life after. Is showing kids love now no crime? My uncle was just too darn good for our sick, greedy, and manipulative world driven by money and ratings. His mm. heart was too big, period. Rip, Uncle Michael. Oh, I love you. Now, <laughs> it's just like you said, this is his family. You know, you would think he would come at it more professionally. This is almost like you're pleading Michael's innocence by imagining him to just be this highly esteemed person not that wasn't but you know what i'm saying it's like you're just coloring the walls a bit too glossy <laughs> you know it's just like it's overcompensating the fact mm-hmm. for themselves you don't need to just make michael this perfect god-like human because you know you know yeah michael was very spiritual he was definitely religious in a lot of ways, being raised a Jehovah's Witness and kind of sticking to a lot of the connections to that. But and he's mentioned, obviously, you know, Jesus and come to the or whatever the Jesus quote is that they say uh, Jesus said, come to the children and all of that. But that's, you know, that's, that's his personal thing. You know, it's like, why are you using that as a way to leverage the argument that, oh, Uncle Michael, oh, they come. You were too good for this world. And in so many ways, you know, Michael, he did have a good heart. I'm not here to go against those sentiments. I am going to say just because he had a good heart and just because he was he had a mission and he was. Yeah, mission, I would say he was about love and trying to bring justice and heal in the world. He still was a human. He, He grew. He dealt with a lot of horrible things. I just think that whole thing he wrote was very. I just what do you think? Oh, 
well, I know we don't have all day, so I'll just keep it short, as short as Jamila can. First of all, to say someone is too good for this world is putting them in a position they probably didn't want to be. Michael was very open about not being an angel. He mentioned this already. This was in the book, Moonwalk. He said, I'm not an angel. He also said, I'm not God, but I try to be as godlike as possible. Even he's not putting himself in a position of God. He says he tries to be godlike. And I know that was the intent of TJ. The thing is, Jesus would not watch porn as far as I know. You know, if you were to read the Bible, I don't think Jesus was watching any representation of porn or whatever they had back then. Yes, he hung out with sex workers, but I don't think he was thinking about them in any other way but uh, spiritually. Right. (laughs) And Michael Jackson was a master manipulator. The fact that people say he's too good for this world puts him in this position, once again, that he's higher than anyone else on this earth. He was human. He manipulated situations in his favor to the point where some of those things backfired. To say he's too good for this world makes absolutely no sense. He read P.T. Barnum's autobiography back and forth, made his staff read it because he understood the nature of manipulation in the business. He knew how to make those things work. Standing there for two and a half minutes while people passed out. I don't think that had anything to do because he's God or anything. It's because he created that suspense. It's because he understood how those things worked. He studied it. For people to say, well, he just walks on water and he's like Jesus. No, it doesn't make any sense to compare him to a Christ-like figure. I know that there was that whole thing where he performed, uh, will you be there? Was it the World Music Awards or something like that? And I remember Jarvis Cocker of Pope, he went and did some gesture where he it was like he was mooning the audience because he looked at what Michael was doing as being manipulative is just being over the top and in a way i would agree with that i think that performance was a bit maudlin (laughs) it's like it's not necessary to do something like that so you have angels wings covering you it's a bit much so i think he did contribute to that image in a way but at the same time he was very open about his vulnerabilities he was very open about his faults So to say that he was too good for this world would either indicate or imply that he is without fault. And that is the farthest (laughs) from that truth that you could get. Michael Jackson was entirely a person with flaws. He made a lot of mistakes in his life, which is why you had those trials. I would consider those things to be a mistake. I think that he... (laughs) was innocuously uh, taking part in holding Governor Vizo's hand and was manipulated into it, which the crew of the Bashir documentary did reveal. But still, to say he's this pure, innocent person, it takes away from his humanity. It takes away 
from what makes Michael a compelling person. It takes away from why Michael is a good person. I think the fact that he came out of this trauma and survived and became the most famous person ever. Take that for where you will. There's a lot of things that come with being the most famous person ever. But he survived his childhood trauma. Did he work through it in ways that were holistic? I don't think so. But he survived. So to say that this person who came out of trauma survived being damaged and he's just survived and became perfect. No, that's absolutely false. And the other thing is white Jesus. So you're trying to tell me that Michael Jackson worshiped the white Jesus. If he was supposedly well read and he read the Bible back and forth, everyone said that he read the Bible religiously. And I'm not using that as a pun at all, but if he were to read the Bible back and forth and know the Bible, read the Bible to his kids, he would understand that Jesus wasn't white. That would be geographically incorrect. Where the Bible is located on the map has nothing to do with Europe. Europe wasn't even <laughs> a facsimile of anything when <laughs> the Bible stories were written. So to say that this guy is... <laughs> This flaunted, blue-eyed figure looking over all the children with love. We have to look at Michelangelo. I know Michael always talked about Michelangelo, so maybe he did appreciate white Jesus. I don't know. I never had a conversation with Michael Jackson to know what he thought and what he felt Jesus looked like in his imagination. But if we are to look geographically, there's no way Jesus would look like what T.J. Jackson posted in that picture the other problematic thing about it is the setup of the picture there's all these white kids there's one african kid on the bottom yeah, exactly this is my point when i saw it i saw it from all of those different angles and i think that's what i urge the family to think about you know you need to be really sensitive about how you're talking about a couple of things now here's another thing i want to mention and i'm sure you didn't know this because you didn't see the picture, so I know you didn't know about this. I wanted to mention this briefly. Do you know Omar Bati? Oh, the guy that said was Michael's kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's really close with Prince in Paris, from my understanding. Like, I've seen several posts with him in the scene in some way. Like, he seems to be really close with, you know, Prince in Paris and Blanket. Well, he deleted recently. All of the pictures, because he had a lot of pictures with him and Michael, you know, just scattered around. And he would mention Michael with a picture or whatever it was. And he deleted all of those pictures recently. And he shut down a conversation about talking about it. Like, he was just like, oh, well. And I think it could mean, oh, well, a lot of fans suspect, oh, hopefully he doesn't turn on Michael. And I mean, just the idea of that would be ridiculous. And it would, I wouldn't even know how to. Uh, really fully process that because he seems to be really close to Paris. So that would be a huge betrayal on their part, I'm sure. But yeah, I just think a lot of people are just getting worked up about all of what's happening. And there's always a new update and somebody like also John Legend said Michael was a pedo. Um, Wait, John Legend said Michael was a pedo? He did. And he knows this because? Right. 
because he watched the document. It's you know, this is the thing about this documentary. It's it's, <laughs> it's packed with triggers. It's packed right. with explicit graphic detail. And it's showing you, Michael, in in situations where your brain is able to rearrange it to the worst possible scenario. Mm-hmm. Clever. But it's expected, especially when you really dissect how they're doing it. Like I was just on the phone with a, fr- a good friend of mine who, you know, I wasn't not that I because I'm not allowing this whole situation to just poison my day or make me feel, oh, it's so stressful. It's like at the end mm-hmm. of the day, y'all going to believe what you believe anyway. So right. you either invest in it or not. But if you're going to talk to me, then you're going to have to understand I'm mentioning numbers. I'm I'm mentioning evidence. I'm not talking about speculations. I'm not talking about how weird something is because I can argue a lot of things Michael did was weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. Why is weird? I mean, we need to define what weird means. We need to define but is weird to the point of the disadvantage of someone else at their compensation? No, that's just wrong. Mm-hmm. And what seems, he didn't do it. Yeah, it was weird. A grown man, he used his trauma. He didn't heal from it fully and navigate it the best way possible. A lot of that could have been because of psychological, you know, metamorphosis. He was damaged in a lot of ways because of the trauma. You know, when you go through something like that, it can just take a rack on you. And he definitely could have handled a lot of his situations better. But it doesn't say, oh, well, because, oh, well, why did he do this? The evidence doesn't suggest that Michael touched any of those kids and that his relationship with them was not sexual. So John Legend, he is going to. John Legend said back to him. So John Legend, with his, you know, trying to be this person of authority of, oh, you know, I'm involved in the conversation of today. Oh, what's this? A documentary where two people talk about Michael Jackson being a pedal? Well, I don't know. He weird. Maybe he. Maybe we should listen to the victims instead of. It's like the justice situation. I I feel like there's a parallel in a way because instead of just waiting till more facts came out, which don't get me wrong, when it first came reported, of course when I read, it, I was like, oh well, that, you know, I didn't even, I felt like it was plausible because it is, it is plausible that something like that could have happened to him. I still wasn't invested enough to really know, but I still knew in general when I hear stories, I like to look at the source. I try to find out the details before I make assumptions. Mm-hmm. But especially knowing how the media uses clickbait to advance their whole agenda so they know how to frame something they know how to take a picture and distort it and twist it and it'll just start making you thinking oh maybe i don't know it's just it's weird maybe you did i don't know it's blah 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 people are not because they don't read people are not there are very few people and you know another thing i would say is it's kind of unfortunate but it feels that most people when it comes to michael jackson and his fan base as much as they you know, cognizant of the fact that Michael was, you know, an innocent man, they tend to not humanize him. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, because even me saying these things, a lot of fans might, you know, what you're saying is like, well, listen, Michael was a, I mean, studying him from the angle of looking at the variables he was given in life and his response to those things, clearly there was a lot going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things he contributed to, and some of them he didn't. A lot of it, I would say, at the end, he didn't contribute. Right. He could have had better responses to it, but a lot of it was just the luck. Oh, well, you're this famous. You're doing these things. You know, how can I, you know, people looked at him as ATM. He had access. 
<laughs> you know, it's like Michael Jackson. So <laughs> people should look at it from that context. And this is a lot of it was pre-internet. This is before people could stalk. I mean, they were stalking him literally, though. I mean, he couldn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. So, I mean, he was he had to really build this life while also in a way being active and communicating with his fans and just the world, what his, what his messages were, which pretty much were about this unified sense of consciousness, whether he was talking to heal the world or earth song, you know, he was always calling attention. It seemed on a grand scale to some cause. And it wasn't usually, you know, it was pretty Disney esque. I mean, he was a big fan of that. So you saw a lot of drama. <laughs> it just doesn't add up because again, with, Predators, especially pedophiles, there's a pathological. You can just look at they leave traces. They don't just this. This it's it's just clear that they would have found something if it really happened. And I understand the objective point, like you said. I mean, if there was evidence that suggested, oh well, in this case, blah blah blah, then we could look at it differently. But it, but it just the way they're using it, I, it's so usury. I'm so it's you can just see how they're like Way Robinson and. Take Chuck and the director, they took, this was the perfect time because this is a distraction from Harvey Weinstein, I feel, to some some level. It is a distraction against him because Oprah was grilled among some people. I saw a lot of people not trying to talk about it because, again, she has that power. Maybe she banned certain journalists. Who knows? She probably did. That you can't talk about my relationship with Harvey Weinstein. Who knows? No one's talking about Harvey Weinstein. Everyone's talking about Michael Jackson. And he's been dead for 10 years, nearly. But the thing is, who didn't see this coming? I think I think we had a conversation about this already. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not. We did. But... We did. We predicted this. We did. <laughs> we said that, you know, because of the R. Kelly thing. When that first started happening, that's when I mentioned it. And I mentioned those songs and we talked about it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Not just the R. Kelly thing, but the fact that the 10 years is coming up. Right, the 10 years, yeah. So I, I don't think it should be a surprise to anyone that this is happening. 10 years, oh, we find all these things. I know the first big wave of it was 2016, but 10 years was approaching. And it should be of no surprise to anybody that... If it wasn't Wade Robson, it would have been somebody else. It would have been some other story that was conjured up to defame the name of Michael Jackson, which is actually one of the most popular names. There's the name Michael Jackson all over the place. There's literally been, I think, three places, at least two places I've lived at where there have been mail to someone named Michael Jackson. <laughs> so <laughs> It's a really popular name. Yeah. Michael is probably the most popular name ever. But, <laughs> but no one should be surprised this is happening. No one should be surprised Oprah Winfrey But did they are she- surprised because, again, they didn't think, probably, that... Well, see, again, it's the mo- It's It was such a... They played their cards, man. They knew how to do it, to set it up to yeah. where it worked in a way that i mean hbo that's another huge component and a lot of people are just not looking at it and this is what we talked about to the average person you know they're not first of all they're not going to look at the facts that far they're just curiously watching by and they're just seeing how it looks right and they're looking at that and okay well grown man hanging around with children hmm. why would he hang around with children what evidence do they have and this is a very biased perspective they're not even talking about 
Like they're twisting everything that actually happened. They're making it seem as if the trial made him even more of a predator, which you know they're, they're really just making. So for those that are not interested enough, they're going to just be like, well, it's just weird that a 50 year old would hang out with kids obsessively for all of these years. It's just weird. If they yeah. found something on him, he would not have had custody of his kids. His kids would have either gone to the state or they would have gone oh, to. Oh, of course. And you, the- I'm saying? you think they wanted him. They wanted. And this is how, you know, also look at what happened to him afterwards. Look mm-hmm. at what happened to him when it first happened. He really he had a wake up call to the degree where he was like, fuck America. Bye. <laughs> he didn't do nothing really in America after that. That was it. That was like his, I'm living in Ireland, I'm going to the Middle East. He was just traveling, London. He made a bold statement, basically, with the history album, even. I mean, he didn't even do that in America, and that was in 94 or 5. So he clearly was like, okay, they don't like me here. They want, you know, obviously, there's a, it was a a hunt against them. They just couldn't stand the power he had, and just, he was just the perfect target because you never knew what he would wear, what, you know, all the surgery, you know, look at him. And, uh, it's a spectacle. And because, again, famous, world's most famous person. But it's like he clearly was turning heads. And it was mm-hmm. enough for people to just really kind of forget about him for a while until that trial happened. And then when that happened, you know, it was like, oh, again, and he, oh, what is he doing? And oh, and then look at the, the way he treats his kids. He's hanging them across the, the, the balcony. And he just exploited everything he did and made it to be, he's weird. Look at him. Even though you didn't see him often, but anytime he went out, it was a scene. So, of course, anything he did made news. So it just became a perfect target. Oh, let's talk about Michael. He's so weird. He was black. And then it didn't help the comedians. They just he was a perfect target for a joke. You know, everyone's just talk talking about him. And it's in negative ways. There's nothing about what he's actually done or what he's or even what he isn't doing. Like, who cares if he if he wants to play video games? Like, who? what does that have to do with any you any of you? Why are you tripping on him? There are other things going on. And he even talking about those things. Mm-hmm. But it's not important to you because you find him as a oh he's funny. It's like it's just treat him like a rag doll. And then other people who are actually doing things that are messed up, no one says nothing. <laughs> no one talks about Elvis Presley dating his girl or wife or the young girl. She was what sixteen, fourteen, I think, when he started. She was 12, fourteen. Even. She was fourteen when they met, and then they got married a few years later. But I mean, this happened all the time. You have those songs, she's just a sweet little 16, or, you know, she's, you're 16, you're beautiful in your mind. I mean, all of those groups, good, good, good morning, little schoolgirl. I mean, they had a ton of songs like that, that were blues, rock and roll. So it, it's a culture of predatory behavior, and we just sing along to it. And it becomes a reality when you have someone like Michael Jackson, who is already declared weird in society, but then is also hanging out with little boys. Yes, he hung out with girls, but boys were the majority. And as anti-LGBTQ as this culture is, that's going to be heightened versus the R. Kelly, in which that uh-huh. sort of predatory behavior is normalized in our communities. Yeah, that definitely so has an effect. Yeah. Let it slide. And they said he made good music. Michael Jackson was weird in comparison. 
So people go, well, he makes good music, but he's weird. R. Kelly, eh, you know, those girls were just, they, they, Fast. they got money for it. They needed it. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely informing a lot of the perspective. But I think they, I mean, this is why I was watching an interview from one of my favorite authors, um, Nikki Giovanni. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how she's like, well, you know, people now they don't read, so they don't read. <laughs> yeah, right. she's like, yeah, she's like, they don't read, and she's like, they're not going to really have the ability to confront issues in a way where you can understand it without having to rely on another. The way she just, the way what I got from it was essentially, you know, especially on Twitter where most of the conversation is happening, or even mm-hmm. Facebook or any of these. I mean, more of Twitter, maybe Instagram too, but. Most people are just projecting their justifications for what whatever it is. They're not really engaged in a serious dialogue because they already come to the table with biases. So they may not even focus on the empirical, the stuff that you could just look at and see, oh, well, they're not they're not even interested. They're just interested in saying, oh, it's weird. Oh, no, they're not trying to, they're not really trying to engage it on a level where it makes sense. Some people are, but I yeah. think overall, people are just like, yeah, well, I mean, why did he, and then like you said, it has a lot to do with the fact that boys, in contrast to girls, when it comes to the assault, generally, it's more of a thing, but when the girls are assaulted, or, I mean, this so, it, it, it incredibly astounds me, because I, I remember being at a meeting with mostly women and there was about two guys there and it was about, you know, abuse and sexual assault and all of that. And I mean, every girl in that room had a story about it. Mm-hmm. And from various ages, you know, even if, oh, well, and they've heard the common justification, oh, well, you would you you should never wear that dress or you should have never you should never look that way. It's like, what? So it's you cannot even act as if that doesn't have an effect of how people look at it and then when boys are assaulted either it's seen as oh you wanted it especially if it's a woman involved oh you that's what you you needed to you needed that to happen to you because you know they get some kind of praise out of it it's just weird how we look at it differently when other these other variables that are at play when we look at what happened with Africa and Bada, no one's talking about that anymore. And it was young boys. He was assaulting, raping. Oh, yeah, exactly. And grooming. Mbada. Yeah. And no yeah. one is talking about that. It, it just was a conversation and now no one's talking about it. People to this day have talked about his patterns. I mean, uh, apparently people said... Oh, it was an open secret for years. So all those people who knew that, why didn't they say anything? The whole thing with Michael Jett, it just doesn't. The patterns that you're seeing about these predators with R. Kelly, with Africa Mambata, with Weinstein, with all these people, the Jared guy from Subway, all of them have a complete consistent pattern. Sandusky. But Michael doesn't have that pattern. It's just strange to me that. You've had so few people over the years talking about this, whereas Bambada, Sam Dusky, R. Kelly, Weinstein—they yeah. have tons of people. Bill Cosby. Tons. Yeah, these are people. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's weird that Michael knew thousands of kids 
who went through Neverland, who he met across the world, and you only have two or three people? That doesn't make sense to me at all. This is the mathematical angle that I wish people had, you know? It's more than just reading. It's about understanding variables. <laughs> like, uh, even as a kid, I remember saying, oh, I don't like math. But one thing I enjoyed about it was the evidence of, you know, numbers. Because them things don't usually lie. Algorithms, commas and periods, they don't. You can so just you, see you it, too. With somebody like Mary Kay Letourneau or a lot of these teachers, they do target individual kids. But yes. there is a pattern because... They still target other kids unless they like Mary Kay Letourneau married the person she sexually abused. So she didn't have to deal with anybody else. But um, there are other teachers who have patterns of targeting different kids. I just don't see those patterns with Michael Jackson. It's just. Yeah, I just don't. With the boys. If it's a woman in particular who is the assaulter or the pedophile, yeah, the, the kid gets praise. Oh, yeah, you had the teacher. Oh, she was she was hot and all of that. And uh-huh. with R. Kelly, oh, she was fast. She wanted it. So it's it's a different kind of language. With the Africa Bambata um, situation, those men who were boys who were assaulted they are now made from the oh you're gay oh you're this so it's still this whole anti-gay sentiment where you know men they don't come out and talk about their assaults as children because of those anti-gay taunts whereas michael jackson is so different because people already declared him as weird they just figured he would do something like that so they don't look at the boys who say they were assaulted as being gay or anything because it's like, well, you were assaulted by this dude who right. we think is gay. Uh-huh. So it's a whole different thing. Uh-huh. It's all of these weird dynamics and nuances when it comes to how people perceive sexuality. And the girls, they go to the police. They're not believed. Like, what were you wearing? Why were you wearing that? How much were you drinking? Yeah. It, it's it's yeah. re-victimizing Revictimizing, yeah. Survived this assault or this rape. And I'm going back to. Oh no, I'm not going. No, I'm not going to talk about okra. Okra's okay. done. Okra's well, done. I'm what, not giving what it about time. Okra? Well, I'm not going. No. But I thought we don't eat okra. We don't. That's why I'm saying I ain't gonna even mention. It. I thought about it. I was like, ah, I ain't gonna leave it on. <laughs> leave it in the trash can. <laughs> I guess in closing, what would you say we can do as a community interested in preserving the truth and seeing Michael as the situation like what do you think we can do going forward now that the documentary has been released and there's going to be conversation how do we navigate post documentary now what do we what's our Stop responsibility being actionary when someone says something you don't agree with just say no look at all of the evidence and present the evidence and just go away. Stop yelling at people saying, he's innocent. You don't know what you're talking about. And then that doesn't serve Michael at all. A, he's not here. So it makes no point for you to yell. Just present the evidence and go back. Go away. <laughs> go away. Go away then afterwards. No need 
to compare him to Jesus. No need to uh, say he was too good for this world. No need to put him on this pedestal. Just say, here's the evidence. Read the evidence as you see fit. If you still believe he did something, you want to have a conversation, great. But I'm just giving you the evidence and leave it at that. When you are presenting this person who's not even here on this level above, I'm going to say even God, above your family, you don't know this guy and you're pinning him to be this perfect specimen, you need to go and figure out other things in your life. And hopefully people are doing things in their life outside of being on the internet talking about Michael Jackson. I hope, I hope, I hope. (laughs) But if that's what you're doing and you are living your life for this guy who's not even here, that's a problem. And you're not doing the legacy of Michael Jackson any justice whatsoever. The family's not doing any justice by comparing the Jesus, particularly white Jesus. (laughs) You're not doing. You're not serving my. This whole situation is nonsense. Sometimes when I look at so it. Go reevaluate your life every single day if you have to. Just post evidence and just uh-huh. say, you know, that's the only thing I'm posting. I'm gonna leave it at that and have at it. Yeah. What do you think? That's it, right there. <laughs> Let's not be so emotional and just honor the fact that Michael shared his trauma and he healed. He was on the path to healing that trauma. And we don't have to be dismissive of that. We don't have to recreate a narrative. We don't need to revise. I mean, if anything, post a factual takeaway here and there. Mm-hmm. But this emotional, just constant, sticky, oh, let's dive our fingers into the drama, it doesn't work. It just makes it more colorful. We don't need to redecorate furniture just be real for what it is like we cool so that's what i say we leave with that (laughs) love and peace michael wherever you are i know you're just like look i'm gone i'm chilling in this right right i'm I'm decomposing what y'all worried about like (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) y'all have a good day Have a good day, everybody.